Do you accept the coaster challenge? Yes, I accept the coaster challenge. Do you accept the coaster challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the coaster challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. Hi everyone, this is Andrew, one of the producers of Coaster Challenge. When enthusiasts are asked, what is the best theme park? And I want to be clear here, theme park, not amusement park, but theme park here in the United States. One park in particular is very frequently mentioned. I, along with our founder, David, got to visit this park for the first time last summer. After our visit, I definitely agree that this park is among the best of the best. And it's in my top 10 for sure. Coaster Challenge is very proud to welcome from Silver Dollar City, Communications Manager, Dalton Fisher. Welcome, Dalton. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're proud to have you. So Dalton, I, you know, as I just mentioned uh, in, in your intro there, um, I had never been to Stellar City before. I've been wanting to go for years. It was uh, for a long time, one of my very top, as we call them, bucket list parks that I've, you know, of course not had been to yet. I uh, just went last summer, but I have known about you guys again for a long time. It's been on my bucket list. And I've known of you personally, not just because of your very public facing role, but for a more specific reason, I just want to mention to kick things off. Uh, which is, uh, again, you're here on our podcast and Coaster Challenge. Uh, this podcast was born, as, as David was kind of telling you before in the intro, before we started recording, uh, because of my suggestion to do a podcast. Where did that come from? It didn't come from a vacuum. It came from the fact that I'm a huge fan of podcasts in general across various genres. Mm-hmm. Theme parks, of course, being one of them. And one of my favorite podcasts, period, is Coaster Radio. And I believe it was uh, 2018, I think that's when Time Traveler opened. Yeah. When, yeah, when Solar City, you guys hosted uh, Coaster Radio. And that was when I very, that was pretty much when I started listening to Coaster Radio. It was right around that time. Yeah, and we so had Mike and EB week. here. And it was my it was my birthday. And we had an actual uh, podcast recording done in the park. Yes. It was an outdoor stage. It was really cool. Yes. They brought in folks uh, that were listeners to do a meetup. And then we actually had folks who were just, at the park that day stumble upon and be like, what is this? And they sat and they got to see a podcast being recorded. That's like one of my top 10, I would say funnest moments I've, I've ever had here. It was just so cool to do it. It was something so different uh, to offer that to our guests. And like you said, that was 2018. That's when podcasting really started to explode and they were already such pioneers in podcasting, especially for this niche and Mike and EB here and, and seeing all the voices happen in real time. It was just so cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And I was about to say, I was not there, unfortunately. It had not been until Civil Hour City yet. But that was my first exposure to Mike and Evie doing a live podcast recording as there's the tradition at a meetup. And, uh, you know, it sounded so fun. And you were you were great and, you know, very engaging and, and so forth, very friendly. 
And that, that always struck me. I'm like, I want to talk to this guy someday. That'd be cool to meet him. And then, you know, and then since starting this podcast, I have enjoyed talking to people like yourself, Pete Owens, of course, your colleague there, compatriot over in Silver Dollar City, and, and many other, um, uh, Adam Floyd as well, uh, you know, from, from well, well, yeah, um, Wild Adventures, and, and others, you know, beyond the Hershen chain, other chains, etc. I uh, really enjoy talking to folks like yourselves, because obviously you're very connected to the public and to what's going on in the parks. And it's always fun talking to, to PR people like that. Because you, you know, again, you guys, you know how to talk about your parks and talk about the history of the parks and what's important and what's what's special. And again, we're going to talk about that a lot of that here at Silver Dollar City today. Um, but uh, I did get to go want to one of their meetups and be a part of. And actually, I was literally a part of. You know, they like to include the audience, the the fans of of Coaster Radio, and uh, did did the meetup. Uh, what was it this past year, last November, uh, at Busch Gardens Tampa? Here, okay. and I live in Orlando, so it was easy to okay. go to them. Yeah. Yeah, and meet Mike and EB for the first time. And we actually had Mike and EB here on the podcast a few months ago, had a great conversation with them, really enjoyed talking to them. It was not my first time talking to them, but first time interviewing them. We had a great, fun conversation. Um, and again, I know you're, you're friends with them. If you haven't heard that episode, I encourage you to go back in our archive and listen to it. It's, it's a fun conversation. But anyways, again, great first exposure to you. And again, been wanting to, because I love Silver City, because you seem like a fun guy, nice guy, really positive. I always wanted to talk to you, so I'm glad we're here today. So yeah, I'm glad to be here too. That seems so long ago that we that we did that it was half a decade ago. Uh, but right. You always wonder, you know, podcasts are unique, and you wonder who listens, where do they listen, and so to hear that from you, Andrew, is is really cool. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll mention real quick before we dive into the interview, uh, but I want to do this on the air. So I'm assuming Dalton that giving your role as communications manager that as part of that, either you or people that work for you on your team are responsible for your social media, right? Uh, neither. It's actually people oh. who work with me. So it's a colleague of mine. Oh, his, off okay. his office is okay. to the left of mine, separated by two pieces of drywall and some studs. Um, but uh, he's got the keys to that. He's been doing it for pretty much 2018, another uh, half decade. Okay. And just seeing him... Uh, go through through that and what that experience has been for him has been so rewarding for him uh, now there are times when he will collaborate with me and what does that mean he'll just say what do you think about this sometimes i'll send him a, a meme format i find um but he's he'd be a good interview in and of himself but uh yeah he's just across the way here and, and he's he's such an awesome guy and he actually worked here uh for almost another half decade before he even started in social well, that's media. perfect so yeah oh that's perfect yeah, yeah. to know the park so well so yeah. and you already may already know where i'm going with this but when you said he's collaborated with you have any of those collaborations been on say those those social media posts that are a little bit more humorous maybe making jabs at some of the other parks uh jabs not necessarily um i would say some of the more humorous ones the most recent one okay. that comes to mind uh, he did a chat gpt uh, post uh -huh. where he he tried to okay. break the ai that runs chat gpt or i'm sure i've got all those terms wrong uh, but uh right. i i don't want to take his credit for that i i think he and i were sharing that back and forth and it's just those things that you know he keeps in his back pocket and then he might pull out and so that's that's not something to where i'm like Oh, as my position, you need to, you know, post this. We don't, we don't do that at all. We kind of just work in tandem and do kind of our own separate thing. And we also Got kind it. of partner on things. Some things where we would partner with would be like, 
you know, last ride of fire in the hole, any of our ride announcements that we're doing, Got any it. of those big PR initiatives. Um, sure. But, you know, it's one of the things that's been cool about working with him for so long is he was very, um, I would say, vanilla to this industry. Um, hmm. he, he had worked in entertainment before um, and he'd, he'd grown up going to some parks. Um, he went to some of the major ones, the Florida, California parks. Um, okay. But you know, I, I think where I've helped him the most is saying like, oh, this is this manufacturer and they're known for doing this. And this is this manufacturer and they do this. And here's what people might think about, you know, that particular manufacturer or vice versa or these parks or he'll say, what's the history of this park? And I can give him a quick, you know, one sheeter on a lot of parks. And so I think that's what helps him. He's getting and he is he's he's way more comfortable, you know, tagging coaster companies, maybe tagging parks. Um, and then I, I know he. He knows some of the folks at other parks too that run those accounts, not just our own at Hershen Enterprises. Right. So uh, they, right. it's all fun, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know what I was getting at there. I, you know, there's a there's a few parks out there. I mean, obviously, social media team, the PR team changed it at uh, Kentucky Kingdom in the past, at least. Uh, there, you know, which and this is before they were a part of Hershen. This is going back to like the 2020, 2021 time frame, like right around the time they were acquired by you guys. But, you know, Universal Orlando, uh, Universal Hollywood, for that matter, too, you guys, some of the, these bigger, again, theme parks and, and amusement parks as well, but some of these more active social media accounts, I've appreciated the sort of, you know, jab maybe a little bit too strong of a word, but but just kind of having fun with each other, playing with each other, maybe is a better way to put it. Um, that has happened. And, and again, you guys have been a part of that. So um, I realize that, you know, it's not necessarily you, but it's your, your colleague, but please thank him. You know, I personally appreciate that fun humor and it just makes things fun. So I'll definitely let him know. And and, and he knows yeah. that he's loved <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I bet, love him too. I so <laughs> I bet, I bet. But anyway, moving back to you, because, you know, again, we're talking to you today, Dalton. Um, again, I've already introduced you. We've already kind of talked about you a little bit, but, you know, beyond what we've already talked about, what I've already shared in the intro, um, you know, please just go ahead and tell our audience about yourself and your experience working within the theme park industry. Yeah, I've worked here at Silver Dollar City since 2017. Uh, in 2017, I was a, a lowly intern. Um, but what's really great about working at Hershen Enterprises as an intern is that we give you real work to do. So one of the first um, things I had to do as an intern was uh, arrange a travel channel shoot that was coming to do some video on Fire in the... Uh, sorry, not Fire in the Hole, Outlaw Run, um, Wildfire, Powder Keg, all of our major coasters. Um, and so I was really tasked with getting the extras that they needed, uh, doing the logistics on that. Uh, and so I was really, you know, my feet were running as, as soon as they hit the ground. Um, but it was a bit um, easier for me in the fact that I grew up coming to Silver Dollar City my whole life. Um, I would come with my family at least two times a year, if not three times a year. Um, and so Whitewater as well. Uh, so it's always been in the family. Uh, in fact, I was born in Branson while my family was on vacation in the summer. They'd been coming here oh, for wow. 40 years. Uh, and so I just happened to be born on one of those vacations. So they still come <clears throat> the same time of year. Uh, and it just so happens that my birthday falls uh, when that vacation happens at some point. Um, and that's always the funny story. It's like, oh, yeah, we remember where we were when you were born and, and all this other stuff happened. Um, so yeah, it's kind of full circle for me to be working in Branson. Before that, uh, in high school, uh, I'm from the Kansas City area. So I actually worked at Worlds of Fun for two years 
Uh, I was a screamster for both of those years in some of their haunted attractions. Uh, and oh. so I, I did that simply because I wanted to get some sort of experience in the amusement industry. I'm a firm believer that frontline experience is critical in really any service industry at all. Even if you work in marketing, finance, HR, whatever it is, um, sure. completely believe that you need to work in the front lines at some point in your life. And as well, when you're working here, there are times when uh, we're expected to help out as well on busy days. And so I really respect that about the company. It was one of the reasons I wanted to work here. So I went to college in nearby Springfield, Missouri, uh, with the goal of working in the amusement industry. And I thought it'd be great if I could work in this one, uh, the one that was in my backyard and, and one of my very favorites of all time. And so I made it happen. I applied like two times. And on the third time, they finally gave me a shot at an internship. So um, I was here until the latter part of 2020. I left, did some other things, and I actually came back uh, this April. And it was thanks to our social media guy. He really uh, really helped me uh, get back and say that I should come back and that whole conversation, which I'm really thankful that he did. That's awesome. That's great. I did not realize that you had left and come back. Wow, that's that's yeah. that's very cool. I'm glad, glad that you are back. Uh, you know, what you mentioned there about that frontline experience, I couldn't agree more. And what I've seen is if you look at, and this is, you know, theme parks, certainly the case, but like you said, other industries as well, customer facing industries. Uh, what I've noticed is some of the best executives, best leaders in various industries that involve customer facing activities, you know, interactions with the public, which most industries do, that the best executives and management are ones that make an effort to do that. Uh, you know, for example, although there's been, you know, some controversy, you know, Disney's had a lot of issues and whatnot and gone through some challenges, part of which are not their fault, the economy, et cetera. But historically, and I think still to this day, Josh Tomorrow, who's moved up the ranks there, rightly so, is very well loved by cast members and the public alike and, and by, you know, Disney adults and enthusiasts and whatnot. Uh, and he's known for that, for getting out in the trenches and get, getting to the front lines and and showing the cast members that he cares and that he wants to you know see what the challenges that they're facing are and make sure the public is happy and again he really cares about the whole experience and that's part of why I think he's moved up the ranks and hopefully he will still have a good positive influence in that role as he continues he's fairly new to the uh, VP role that he's in now parks and experiences and so forth but yeah he's just one example of many and it's great to see you yourself who I already was describing as my limited exposure to you, Coastal Radio, et cetera, very positive attitude, fun, approachable. It's good to see that you have that same kind of mindset as well uh, of how important it is to get into those frontline roles. So, Yeah, I think that we do so many different PR initiatives here on our park. For example, when we announce rides, uh, when we open rides, there's always uh, media days that go along with that. And then, of course, when we're hosting folks, whether it's someone like the Travel Channel, International News or something like that, all the way down uh, to just maybe an influencer. Uh, they're all important right. in their own ways. And it's important to understand how their requests can really impact the operations of our park, because at the end of the day, our guests are the ones who who buy those admission tickets. And so we need to be sure that we're not harming their experience. And so I think you really need to work or at least understand what that operation looks like, what it takes and how your actions can impact others in order to have the best uh, outcome. So, yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That's fantastic. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the, you know, we're going to talk more about Silverado City kind of in the latter half of the interview. Uh, but the first, you know, a few questions here beyond the intro that we just uh, went through is talk about you personally, Dalton. So in uh, the first half of that half <laughs> is for the next couple of questions sure. is about what we call your fear journey. Uh, and this is analogous to and very much connected to our main mission, 
which is theme park therapy and, uh, you know, positivity uh, of people's park, people getting positivity out of their parks experiences, I think is the overarching 300, you know, 300,000, 30,000 foot level view as the saying goes. So let me kind of walk you through that fear journey here. So uh, which would you say, well, first of all, Dalton, I, I made a little bit of an assumption, but I, my memory serves me from the Coaster Radio podcast that you do like coasters, correct? I do. Um, I believe I've been over 200. I don't keep a, I used to keep sure. a count kind of, but I, I know it's over 200. I've got some international credits too. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a, even a hardcore enthusiast to necessarily count coasters. There are a number of them that are just like, look, I don't want to bother with that. I just want to enjoy coasters. <laughs> and yeah, there's, there's ones I want to make sure I get on. And I think I, I, I just get I'm tired on. of updating it is what it is. Right. <laughs> I'm like, right. oh I mean, man, that, I got to remember to do it. And I'm like, oh, but there's 15 others I forgot to put in my right. coaster count. Yeah. Oh, I used to have that hassle. Going I, ha- back. I had the app. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going back prior to 2017, I, I used an Excel spreadsheet and I sometimes remember, oh my gosh, I got to update my spreadsheet because yep. I didn't have it with me on my phone. Uh, now, thankfully, I have Coaster Count and that makes things easier, but still, it is a it is a process still. So, yeah. but okay, so yeah, I did re- theme to recall, so apparently correctly, that you like coasters because, um, you know, again, we're all inclusive. And so when we talk to people who are not into coasters, what we talk about instead is just theme park attractions, you know, something in the parks and whatnot. But let's talk about coasters because we are coaster focused here. So what would you say, Dalton, is the, of the, say, approximately 200 coasters you've ridden, what would you say is the one coaster that has intimidated you or scared you, giving you the most anxiety um, prior to riding it? Um, you know, I thought it was going to be my first roller coaster that I ever did, um, but I remember jumping on that one no problem, and, and I was kind of surprised at the feelings that my body got. I was probably <laughs> seven or eight, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I like that, and then not necessarily would say that I was forced, but that same night I was forced to do <laughs> there. I just said it. I, I, I was uh, coerced by my family to um, do a bigger one. Um, and I can't say that that one gave me so much anxiety because I was so young and I kind of just was doing what I was told. I mean, I didn't have to do it, but you know, my family was really encouraging me. So I'm actually going to go fast forward. I'd ridden some coasters before, um, but I was so intimidated of going upside down because I was so uh, really worried that, I would get sick and that I would have, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, episode with, uh, you know, vomiting. I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> then I, I was like, man, I don't want to be that person. You know, I, I don't, I don't I... want to, to, to be that person. So it wasn't until, um, it would have been my seventh grade year going into my eighth grade year in the summer. Um, I had broken my ankle while playing baseball and like, you know, that's Ooh. like the worst pain I ever had. And, Ooh, and, yeah. and, and it was just terrible experience. Um, and I, I remember going to Worlds of Fun on my broken ankle because I couldn't do anything. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to take my crutches to Worlds of Fun. And I was actually with my grandfather and he he'd ride roller coasters with me. He really enjoyed doing that with me. Uh, but we wouldn't go upside down. And I've always wanted to do the Patriot there. Um, I'd done everything else. I'd done the Mamba, Timberwolf, Prowler, all of it. You know, was there when the Prowler opened. Um, I was like, man, I just... I don't know that I can, that I can do that. And he said, well, let's just ride. And he kept saying that all day, kind of was like, ah, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready. And so finally, I think in my mind, I was just kind of like, you know what? I, I broke my ankle. It's it's not going to hurt like that. And I kind of, and, and honestly, breaking it was really embarrassing for me. So that kind of helped with the whole worried about getting sick on the ride. I'm like, well, no one's going to know who I am. Like, you know, no one will ever see me again. They don't know who I am. So I was like, let's just, let's do it. And I, I remember going up the lift 
and we didn't have a special seat or anything. It's an invert coaster, so you can't really see in front of you, really. You're just kind of at the the whimsy of the coaster. You're going to go wherever it wants you to go. And I just right. remember having that, those happy shakes and the butterflies, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And we do the drop, and there's that feeling I'm used to. And the first inversion on that ride is a vertical loop. It's a giant vertical loop. And I didn't feel anything. And we get to the bottom of it, and I'm, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me in my mind. I'm like, that's like that's what I was afraid of? Like, these other rides I've been on, you know, the Mamba's a hyper coaster, 200 feet tall, and I'd done Powder Keg here at Silver Dollar City. Outlaw Run wasn't built yet, um, but right. I had, you know, I come to Silver Dollar City and it was Powder Keg and Thunderation and Fire in the Hole. I wouldn't touch Wildfire, went upside down, wouldn't even get over there. Right. Um, I'm like, man, what the heck? And we do all these other inversions, and I was just so, so happy to get off of that ride. Um, so that's the one that probably intimidated me the most because after I did that, I've never really been intimidated by any ride. Um, Maybe the only comparable one was the original Top Thrill Dragster, um, but that was just more of like adrenaline. Like there, it wasn't like I'm not going to ride it. I knew I'm riding it. Right. Um, that's the most similar feeling I've ever had. But going upside down kind of broke that um, <laughs> that that um, apprehensiveness I had. Sure, sure, it makes a lot of sense. Thanks for going through that. Yeah, I mean something you mentioned, which I, I don't think I've ever touched upon here before. Uh, you know, we're fairly reflective here at the podcast right now because we are sunsetting the podcast at least for the time being we've all got way too much going on in our lives and things beyond the podcast because things do exist beyond this podcast not the whole world here <laughs> this is just a side thing we do uh, and you are i think actually our very last regular interview uh, so kind of very celebratory there but again being reflective because we've done all these interviews, this is kind of the end, wrapping things up. So there's a lot of conversations to reflect back on. And looking back on those conversations, it is very rare that, you know, when we're little kids, the very first coaster or two that we ride is is that very, that, that the scariest one, the most intimidating one. Uh, I think part of that is, is memory, maybe. We're so young, we just don't remember being that that way. A lot of it, too, I think, is limit other limitations, height limitations, uh, how long ago it was that it, they, the coasters were nowhere near as intense or tall or inversions and, and things like that. You know, a lot of people, their first coasters were things like, you know, Space Mountain or the Barnstormer or Disney World or, or whatnot, you know, or something like Thunderation, you know, something smaller. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that those first few were not the ones that did it for you. And um, I was and, a, a kind of a, yeah. a weird kid in that I, I played Roller Coaster Tycoon as one of the earliest memories of my nice. entire life when I was three, yeah. the original. And I bought two and I bought three to Planet Coaster, No Limits, like Thrillville, anything that had a coaster I was playing. But looking back on it, it's so funny. I'd build these things and then I'm like, oh, this is what I want to work in or I want to do this, you know, go to these parks forever and like but i wouldn't go upside down it's just so funny looking back on it and i'd build them but i wouldn't do them <laughs> yeah i'm not and that, and that you know that's not normal it, it, some of it is you may want to it's kind of that fight versus flight going on where you want to do it but you know you can fantasize about it or like you know just safely put it in a game but to do yeah. it in real life you're not there yet and that, that's and, normal that, and that, i that think happens. once yeah. once youtube became a thing in like 2005 more accessible yeah. 2006 i I remember spending so much time um, just researching like how these rides work. And I think that also helped understanding like nice. what a block system is, fail safe brakes, all this other stuff that really just said, okay, these, they're not dangerous. So, you know, what's the issue here with me? Right. Right. And yeah. And yeah, actually that's a very good point. We've had other guests talk about ones that are pretty afraid of coasters that they've been able to use YouTube and POVs. And like you said, videos about how things work and whatnot to kind of help, 
you know, uh, you know, ease their fears. And, you know, even quite frankly, um, you know, if you were to research the very, very rare accidents that occur, uh, again, with coasters, very rare, you know, you maybe get one a year across the entire world, if that, um, you know, and of significance. And when I say significance, I'm not talking about people dying, but, you know, this, it, you know, where there might be an injury or two. Um, and, and uh, you know, in a lot of those cases, it's, human error or coasters that are really, really old that are maybe, you know, not as well maintained, but, and and that's why, you know, where here we are talking to you guys in Silver City, Hershen, premier parks, absolute premier parks, you know, like I was saying in the intro, best of the best, best theme parks where, you know, there, there's, you know, spare no expense. There's very good budgets. Maintenance is top notch, you know, and you guys keep your rides up, you know, really well. And there's safety, you know, safety, you know, uh, even above and beyond what the state requirements are and whatever, you know, state your parks are in, you know, there's safety mindedness and so forth. So, you know, I certainly feel extremely safe at parks like yourselves, at Disney, at Universal. I'm not trying to discount any of the parks, but I'm mentioning, you know, the best of the best, you know, your Sea Rolls, your Bush Gardens. Um, and part of the benefit of going to parks like that is you're far less likely to have any issues as, uh, as rare it is in general. But, you know, looking up those rare instances that things occur online, you, you can feel find out, oh, well, that's why that happened. That's a really unusual circumstance. And anyway, so you can you can go through a lot. YouTube, you can learn a lot and really understand, OK, we yeah, accidents are rare and they're very unusual. And when they occur, it's got to be these sort of circumstances. So and it's mostly non, you know, it's very minor. And, you know, so, yeah, I get you doing that. You could really reassure yourself of reality. YouTube. Well, you know, obviously, you can get a fantasy too with YouTube, but you, if you search out the right, the right videos, you can look at documentaries and things like that, and and understand reality. And when we focus on reality, that's a great way to combat anxiety because anxiety is not about reality; it's about our minds, our imaginations going in these negative directions and only negative directions, thinking about the worst possible outcomes or very negative outcomes. That's not reality most of the time. Sure, negative things happen sometimes, not all the time, not usually. So I'm, it's good to see that you kind of, you may not have thought about it in this construct, but, you know, by looking up those videos, you were looking at the reality of things and that's powerful. So, yeah, early, early days of YouTube and a, a lot of, a lot of forums I was on, <laughs> not as a member, but I yeah. just remember scouring forums, a, a kid who shouldn't have been on the internet, probably. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So you mentioned, uh, you know, with Patriot at Worlds of Fun, which again, BNM and Bird, as you alluded to, uh, you mentioned and maybe I misconstrued this. Did you say that you couldn't wait to get off of it? Oh, no. I like once I did that first inversion, that vertical loop, yeah. I, I, I had no problem approaching any coaster since then. And this would have been in 2000. Okay. Gosh, 2007, probably. Um, so like I there's never been a ride where I've been apprehensive about getting on it. Uh, and so, yeah, I uh, to tell you, I, after I did Patriot, I immediately wrote it again and probably did it, it a third time. It, and then when I came down to Silver Dollar City for family vacation again, Wildfire was the first thing I had to try. And I'm like, oh man, this isn't like as intense as I thought it was. Like, I think our, the other rides here are more intense than this. <laughs> yeah, you, that's usually how it goes is again, because our anxiety pushes us in that very slanted, distorted thinking direction. The reality is like, oh, that was no big deal. Or, oh, that was nothing yeah. like I was thinking it was going to be. And yeah, so, um, okay. And I suffered yeah, from and, motion sickness a lot too. So that was, that was some of it too. I'm like, oh man, uh, if we go upside down, it's going to be like 
you know, when I'm on the merry-go-round and I'm in the teacup vehicle, it's going to feel like that. And I don't want that. Right. Which is not usually, which is not the case. Yeah. People have spinning ride issues, you know, even on spinning coasters, like your time traveler, amazing coaster. Again, it's, it's limited spinning. It's not like full on full board, like the teacups yeah. or, or that coaster. I can, yeah. I can ride that yeah. roller coaster on and off again, just, you know, as many yeah. times in a row, uh, but a teacup, yeah. different story. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it. Well, you mentioned 2007. So, yeah, you wrote Patriot shortly after it opened. So, opened in that 2006. Uh, it was one of the more recently built BNM inverts. Uh, that, along with, uh, got it there, a sister park, you know, Cedar Fair um, Banshee, also one of the new ones, was yep. built a few years later. Yep. But, uh, any case, um, yeah, so so you, you have not been afraid of anything since. You got on it right again away. So, why don't you tell me? You know, um, like how did you feel when you got off of Patriot or when you were on the break run, you know, when you were done that first time? Um, I was kind of uh, uh, unimpressed. Is it the right word? It's a really good ride. I just was kind of upset with myself. I'm like, I've been hindering uh, my entire theme park experience by not being willing to go upside down. Like wildfire has been at Silver Dollar City for, for years. It's 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 older than powder keg. And I never did it. And I was always, you know, uh, not that I felt like I was a burden on folks, but, you know, I wouldn't want to ride it. And they're like, okay, well, we need to do something else that that Dalton can do, like language like that, that he can do. <laughs> like you almost be like, oh, man, like this is just the Dalton show. I don't want it to be that. Um, and, and so it's like, man, what what was my issue? Like, why didn't I do it? Um, and so not not long after that, I think that's really when like I had the coaster bug, but then I really got the coaster bug. That's when I really started to like, decide, okay, I think I want to work in this. I want to research these other parks, you know, go back to YouTube, finding all these channels uh, that, that put POVs on and, and all this other stuff. And, oh, there's this place called Cedar Point. Have you heard of this? And finally getting <laughs> to be able to go there, um, junior year of high school, sophomore year, got to go to Dollywood, didn't know that that existed, or at least thought Dollywood was just Graceland for Dolly Parton, which it's not at all. <laughs> um, it's such an incredible theme park. Um, so yep. it really just opened um, my eyes to this industry and all the fun that I was kind of missing out on. So, you know, I was also in a cast when I rode Patriot. So it, getting off of Patriot and, you know, having oh, yeah. to get on my crutches and, and and go down the stairs, I was I didn't want to use the elevator. It was just a personal choice. Um, I was like, sure. oh, man, like, it's worth it. Like, I'm going to trek these steps again to ride this again. Nice. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think it was just a little bit of disappointment in myself, but then also there was this huge sense of accomplishment. Like, okay, now I can do anything. Like, heights never really bothered me. Um, I right. think I did I did Mamba so young, 200 feet tall, that, you know, I it, it didn't really it didn't really matter when I went to ride Millennium Force the first time or Top Thrill Dragster uh, or even right. Outlaw Run when it when it opened. Yeah, there's usually one of three things with coasters that are the things that give us anxiety sometimes all three for someone it's going to be either the heights as you mentioned very common very that's probably the most common the next most common is the inversions and that's what it was for me that's what i had to break is the fee i was so afraid of inversions and going upside down i refused to do somersaults in pe class in school that's yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, that's similar to, similar you know, <laughs> uh you know and, and and then the other one is is kind of a combination of a of a, of a, a one-two punch speed slash acceleration uh, especially on these new more modern launch coasters, like, you know, top four drags to the mentioned. So it's going to be one of those three, usually, if not more than one, um, you know, and you mentioned something. And, and again, whenever I get, you know, keyed off of something that a guest says, I try to try to jump on it in terms of helping educate 
people and maybe this will help someone in our audience. Um, I think you're the first person, you know, your fear journey, very common. And this is a good thing. Like everyone else we talked to, you know, you, you conquered your fears and you felt great about it. And you're like, yeah, I can conquer all these coasters now. You can go ride these coasters now. And, and, you, and it, 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 it propelled forward your coaster enjoyment and love and everything. But you mentioned the others, this other thing, which I would almost label as regret about, oh, I was holding people back. It was the Dalton show, making people do this. I was holding myself back. And I get why you'd feel that way. And my my comment back to you there and advice to anyone else that might be feeling that, you know, say tomorrow, they, you know, because we have people of all sorts of ages and even age, you know, some people conquer their their fears on coasters when they're 30 or 40 or you never know. So you never know who in the audience might be listening as our audience has grown, but someone that is going through that and is about to conquer or has just conquered their biggest fear. And you may not even know at the time, you'll, you'll only realize it later, but you may alongside conquering a big fear, have that kind of regret that Dalton you talked about. And with that, you, you can't really do anything about it. It's in the past. It's, it's the, the Dalton show that may have been a thing. Don't feel bad about it. You know, it was because of fear. Fear can be so controlling. It's something that's very hard to conquer. And it's in the past. And at least get solace in, you know, and you were young, you know, when this happened, you know, it's, it's still in the in what middle school, um, that you conquered it and ended the Dalton show. And now it's you're gonna be easygoing and go on anything and maybe even help others conquer their fears, you know, other family members or whatnot or friends. Yeah, so that's don't the way bad, I see it. You know? Yeah, helping yeah. others, yeah. friends, family members, and and knowing that I've been there too. There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, that you remember. Um, and yeah, these are, so, yeah. I, I made it sound like Patriot wasn't a big deal, but at the same time, you know, it's a diverted coaster that goes upside down four times, like. That's an adrenaline adrenaline inducing machine. <laughs> so oh, it, yeah. it is a big oh, deal. Yeah. You you should be proud of yourself if you haven't been on these things before and you did it the first time. That was there. Um, but just looking back on it and having done so many and like it's a it, part of my life, you know, it, it's just, you know, it, it could have been a little bit earlier, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh yeah, you know, being an inverts, you know, while they're not a brand new model, they are, you know, on the intenser side of things and still very much coveted within the Thuzy world, Thuzyverse and so forth, so forth. But anyways, but uh, okay, well, thanks for going through that. Now, just to take a step back from, from what we just talked about, uh, you know, aside from the low-hanging fruit, obvious that you're working in the industry, you know, you worked at Worlds of Fun later, and then now working in Southern City, if you, if you kind of separate out that obvious one, is there anything else you can think of where coasters and, and parks and so forth have had a significant positive impact on your life? I think in so many ways they've had a positive nice. impact and definitely significant. Um, my current wife, we've been dating since high school, and I can't tell you how many dates we had at Worlds of Fun. We had one at Silver Dollar City. Um, so, you know, we have so many great memories and being able to get on those rides and uh, just enjoy that time with her. I mean, that's huge for me. Um, I have also really about the time I was an intern here, a little bit before that, I participated in a program with Skyline Attractions. They're a manufacturer uh, in Orlando area. Uh, they had yeah. an event called Sky Next. So I went the second year they did that, I believe. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of a a weird thing to go to by yourself. Like some of these groups, uh, it's basically a, a program for college age folks to meet people in the industry, meet each other. That's what's so important in this industry is mm -hmm. meeting each other and making those connections. 
Um, sure. But I, I went by myself. I didn't have a group or anything like that. Uh, and so just being able to dive in and at least, you know, through coasters, I knew that we had some sort of common ground, something we could talk about. I could relate to these people on. Uh, that was huge for me. Uh, and being able to, you know, meet those people, um, I, I think was, was such a big deal. And then later that year, I was an IAPA ambassador for the expo down in Orlando, kind of the same idea. It's typically college age. There's some other folks in there too. Uh, but you get to help run the IAPA gigantic trade show with all the theme parks, amusement parks, zoos, all that stuff, water parks. Yep. Um, so meeting those folks, those are some of, if not my best friends ever, uh, more than high school, more than mm -hmm. college. Uh, and I only spent really a week with them and we've all just kept in touch. We meet each other up in, in normal life now. Um, I just stayed at a friend's house in Orlando. Uh, those two were actually ambassadors. They got married. And so they lived together in Orlando and I stayed at their house. Like these connections are just insane and I feel so closely connected to them. So uh, that's another positive impact that, you know, being in this industry has really had on me. Um, and it, it just finding a niche, like it, it was almost, it's a little bit easier to to get a job when you know exactly what you want to do or at least what industry you want to work in. Like you can really, really, really parse it down. So I remember being in business school and that conversation always came up. What do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I want to do something with my degree in marketing and a theme park. And it's like, okay, well, you know, here's 60 places you could work at. Um, and so that made things a little bit easier. So even just getting my, my career, I mean, it's all had such a positive impact for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, theme parks, amusement parks, this industry in general, there's so much greatness about it. One, just at the root level, you're doing fun things, you know, whether if you don't like coasters, you go, you go to the shows, you go on flat rides, you enjoy the food, you enjoy the theming, enjoy the immersion, the escape from reality, the stress relief, you know, all that positivity, that theme park therapy and just the enjoyment. Uh, then there is just, you know, the, like you said, the social aspect, the sharing with friends, the friends that you make, whether it be, you know, just, just friends that enjoy the parks with, or, you know, for you, it could be a, that, but even on top of that, you mentioned your wife. And then on top of that, you know, working in the industry, IAPA, you know, I've been IAPA uh, as, you know, sort of an influencer because of the podcast. And, and I've had great times there, met amazing people, um, made some great connections and, and quite frankly, um, wound up with some of those connections, meeting people that I've interviewed here on the podcast. Uh, you mentioned Outlaw Run earlier, which is my favorite attraction at Civilar City, although there's a couple that are close behind it. Uh, and uh, talked to, got to talk to Jake Kilka uh, from RMC because I met Jake at uh, at IAP a couple years ago, and you know, and there's been others as well. And in fact, my interview here with you today, Dalton, came out of IAP this past year. Uh, was was volunteering at IAP this year uh, at the NRCMA uh, booth uh, associated with ACE, the National World Coaster Museum of America booth, and uh, Pete Owens. Uh, your colleague again there at from Dollywood, uh, he was next door there, and I recognized his voice. He's got a distinctive, recognizable voice, and he was at the booth next to me. And I said, "Pete," he said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Hey, it's Andrew Gustav. Hey, great to you know." It was, it was really nice, very warm welcome. Great, we had a nice conversation. And I mentioned I really would like to talk to Silver Dollar City, and he said, "Well, I, yeah, I can get you in touch with Dalton." I said, "I'd love to talk to Dalton," you know, and, and here we are. So again, at, at you know, the RMC booth <laughs> to bring it all the way back to Outlaw Run. Oh, you were, yeah. Be, oh, because of what we're going to talk about later. Yeah, that's right. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, anyway, it, it's it's those connections are important. And yeah, and aside from IAPA, 
Um, like yourself, yeah, I have made some amazing friends, amazing friends. You know, David, for example, you know, my my uh, partner in crime here at Coaster Challenge that for the past five years, you know, great friends, uh, countless others as well because of coasters, because of parks that transcend into other hobbies as well that I love and travel. And uh, I've got, you know, great friends here in the U.S. and Europe and all over the place. And it's, it's amazing and it's awesome. And, and, and all those little tiny negative things that might happen here and there, those toxic people that are everywhere. They're, they're well, I want to say that they're not everywhere, thankfully, but you'll find them in all the different hobbies. There's a few bad apples, you know, whatever social circles you might be in families. You always got a couple bad apples. Again, those are in the minority and we got to deal with them and, you know, hopefully help those people ideally, um, but if not, reduce their influence. But aside from those small numbers of people, small percentage, again, so much positive people, so many positive people I've met within this industry and, and both professionally, people, you know, you know, people like yourself and many others at the parks and the, and the manufacturers, uh, but also, of course, um, on the amateur level, just the people that go to the parks along with me and, and just, you know, great, great friendships that have gone again, like I said, well beyond the parks and some of the, you know, I've got two friends of mine, they know who they are, Larry and Jean, that are like parents to me that I call for advice and they I met them because of the parks, because they're fellow enthusiasts. again, so many friends. So, um, I can definitely relate and, and it's so meaningful. So thank you for sharing that Dalton. Of course. So we're going to move on to the, the second part of the, and just a couple of questions here. The second part of um, uh, the interview here, uh, that's about you personally. Now, um, I'm going to ask this first question and add a disclaimer to the, the, the second, the last of these, these questions. So the first question, you've been on a couple hundred coasters. Obviously, you've been on many of them probably more than once. What would you say is the craziest, the wackiest moment you've ever had on a coaster? There's some things that come to mind. I mean, doing my first B&M flyer where you're hoisted up by your ankles to be on your stomach uh, in the station. That was pretty wild. Um, I love those rides. I think they get a lot of hate. And uh, vice yeah. versa, doing a Vacoma Flying Dutchman where you start uh, backwards and then you're lied down flat on your back. Firehawk at Kings right. Island was my first example of that. Those are pretty oh, yeah. crazy moments, but... I think for me, it's probably my very first ride on um, Time Traveler. And I'm going to tell you why it was Time Traveler. It was sure. because we were commissioning the ride. Um, it had not been open to the public yet. I just happened to be there. Um, and I was asked by the folks at Mock if I'd like to ride. I was there getting photos of something on the train or the station. I don't remember what it was. And I was, I thought they were joking. I was like, I just laughed. And they're like, yeah. no, no, no. Do you, do you want to ride? And I was like, of course, <laughs> like I, I'd love to ride. Are you kidding me? And so I sat in the back seat, row number seven. So the row that faces forwards as you start the ride, um, not really thinking about that I'm in the back seat on this thing. Um, and so being on that for the first time and not having any sort of litmus or reference, it's it's like going right. back to either a your very first coaster or you know in my case your first inverting coaster. I've never been able to you know. You know, kind of, kind of been chasing that sort of high or that adrenaline that I got from that, um, and just remembering how insane it was. I mean, I screamed the entire time, uh, so much so that people were laughing when it came back in the station. They're like, "Oh, you must have had a good time." Uh, there's and there was nothing like that. I mean, there's only one other way you can really experience that. It's in Europe now, um, yeah. but in this side of the hemisphere, that's it. And so, if you I haven't done that ride, 
check it out. But that was, you know, still to this day, I've never done anything like that. And it wasn't a situation because they were, you know, commissioning it. I, I don't even know if that's the right term with what they were doing, but um, yeah. you know, you couldn't just ride again. You know, I was like, oh man. Then I had to wait, you know, another <laughs> few weeks before the ride opened to the public. So that's gonna be my uh craziest moment by Okay. Me. No, that that makes a lot of sense. That's a great one. And I I'll, I'll just ask uh, and if you don't want to answer this, I understand if you know that's totally fine. Um but was that ride a other than being a commissioning ride or just a very early ride? Was it otherwise a typical ride, or like were the magnets normally engaged except when they're when they disengaged during the ride? It was was it not free spinning? Is it like it is normally? So I'll give you a little bit of a long answer here. So okay, when this ride type was confirmed and uh, we decided that's what we wanted to go with, it had not been done before. Uh, you may remember on YouTube. Um, it was either Mock Rides or Europa Park put out a video where they put a spinning car on their Blue Fire roller coaster. Uh, Blue Fire, yeah. Uh, that was yeah. that was to test that concept and how it would work for us. Uh, yeah. And and yep. and so our folks went over there, not me, uh, much higher up than Dalton, uh, went over to Europa Park to ride the spinning car. Sure. And we heard stories. I've heard stories of how intense it was, and you know it was mm -hmm. insane. But going back to what we are at Silver Dollar City, we're a family theme park, and the ride didn't feel right for families. So that's where the determination was made. We have to do something to where this is not a teacup on rails. And we constantly tell people that. It's one of the things I constantly tell being in PR to get people to ride it, especially the first year it was open. And you tell people you're going to go upside down and spin like, oh, that sounds terrible <laughs> uh, but it's like no 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 this it, it, what i the term i started to coin uh, it was just it's a turning roller coaster you kind of are right. you're dancing almost you're you're turning you don't sometimes even go full 360 the whole ride you might turn the other way right. uh, so that that revolutionary magnetic braking system that was added to the ride it's underneath the car you can see it there's basically a large magnetic metallic disc and a big magnet um, but one thing to point out there when we started using the term controlled spinning, I didn't really even like that because people thought, oh, it's going to be the same ride every time, like a Guardians to the Galaxy right. sort of situation. Right. Uh, right. But it is completely random. So I've I've been on the thing with two people on one side and none on the other. I've done it with a fully loaded car, two and one. I've I've been on the thing as many times as variations as you can do. Uh, it's a completely different ride every time. Yep, I agree because I've ridden a number of times and you know more than once that weekend that David and I were there. Uh, I, and, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. One thing that, that was added, and it was it was kind of engineered to be added, if that makes sense. It's kind of like a trim brake, you know, for, from yeah. what I understand. You know, we put a trim brake, might be used, might not, depends on the weight of the train, whatever. Uh, they did add a couple magnets at the very beginning of the ride, before you even go down the street, down drop, that gives you an initial turn. So that that was changed. And you can actually see on, on, on early uh, POVs of the ride, or off-rides, sorry, not POVs, early off-rides of the vehicle, the cars were all completely forwards and backwards that entire drop because there was nothing gotcha. to initiate that spin interesting okay that oh yeah yeah and that makes sense i'm glad you guys added that and and by the way you know again i'm an enthusiast i love intense rides at the same time i can appreciate the family parks i i love theme parks in general i love those higher quality experiences. and a lot of theme parks are more family oriented uh and certainly silver Isle city dollywood etc are and i have total respect for that decision that was made um, to make it more family friendly. Uh, and I think you guys struck a good balance because that is, time travel is definitely at that edge. It's on that borderline. 
it's it's definitely you know for kids certainly it's a step up coaster a couple steps up you know through, as they go through say let's say silver dollar city is their home park or they live nearby like it was for you growing up you wouldn't start with time traveler you know you'd start with thunderation or something like right. that fire in the hole yeah or fire in the hole certainly yeah of course and you guys have good steps up in that process and 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 time traveler would be that exciting one to build up to and in fact someone that's younger than you perhaps instead of being patriot you know time traveler might be a coaster that they break their fears right. on you know right older. oh i've done upside down but it does what and yeah. see that spin yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. I, I am here to tell you as, as, a, as a converted lover of the spinning it's it's not what you think it is you know yeah take, take that risk on that one <laughs> Of course. Now, again, we're just talking about you here. So this is a, kind of a little more personal thing uh, relating to your travels. You mentioned you have some international credits. Um, you've mentioned a, a couple things in here I want to key off of. But let's let's talk about what we were just talking about first. Sure. We'll go in reverse order. So you're talking, of course, about time traveler spinning mock, uh, mock spinner. Um, and, you know, you mentioned there's only one in the world, which is the case. And that's, of course, right to happen. It's the Plopsaland. Have you been to Plopsaland? I've not been to Plopsaland. Um, I was here to tour. Uh, I believe he was the president of Plopsaland when he was looking at potentially adding a ride like Time Traveler. I see, and that lets so it's kind of funny. Yeah, you you got you know not you personally, but you know Silver City Hershen went to uh, to ride the the, the mo temporary modification of Blue Fire. You know, there at Europa Park, and then that led to Time Traveler, and then Time Traveler Plus Line came over, and that led to Right Dampness. Of course, that makes right because it's yeah. a real it's a real prototype, and for oh, yeah. you know, a company to make a multi million dollar decision, um, it, yeah. it probably made sense for him to fly here to the Ozarks in Missouri to ride this to really uh, understand what he's potentially interested in. Totally understand that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and again, Time Traveler is a great ride, but for you personally given that you clearly liked it and, you know, that was, a, you know, one of your craziest experience riding and commissioning and all that. Um, I would encourage you as you, because you clearly like to travel internationally, you've done it already. When you have a chance, go to Plopsaland uh, and ride Ride to Happiness. It's, it's again, time traveler is great, but for enthusiasts, again, going beyond that family experience that wants an extreme thrill, um, ride Ride to Happiness. And I will tell you, it is one of the most intense coasters I've ridden. That's what I've it, heard. <laughs> yeah, it's not easily rewritable. I mean, I did ride it again and again, but it, it was, I had to take breaks. Right. It, it is. And, and again, that like Time Traveler, it has that random aspect again, because they originally had the magnets on it. And apparently, the story I've heard from my local friends over there in Belgium and whatnot is that the the park goers again? It's more of a thrill park, of course, than Silver City. It's a family park. Is that they were like, no, we don't like this. We want to we want to go crazy spinning again. Some of these enthusiasts in Europe are wild, or just even the general public in, in in Europe is more intense. They like riding water rides in January and things like that over there, <laughs> uh, like crazy. You know, they're they're wild over there. Anyway, so they they kind of asked, hey, we want this to spin. Why isn't it spinning and, and free spinning? And so then they made it free spinning. And oh my gosh, I've not experienced it in the original version. The early days uh, only the free spinning version and it's crazy each ride is different and you know going through a boost launch um sideways actually and that's one more question i want to ask you if you could answer this sure uh on time traveler for that for the, I, I don't even call it a boost launch for the second launch mm -hmm. uh, the train comes to a stop was that also a conscious uh, i can't talk to it conscious decision to make it a little more family friendly to not make it as intense to kind of stop for that second launch 
So the first launch is is the one that stops. The second launch is is the boost launch that gets you back up the hill. Um, I don't know the reasoning for what that is. If I had to guess, I yeah. would guess it adds a block section to the ride and allows us to do an additional. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, for you, yeah. you have the station, and then you have the break before that. Then you have the actual break run. That's three, and so uh, we don't run three trains on it uh, anymore. But um, it has the ability to do three trains, so there's four block sections. I would assume right. that's that would allow us to get a, a, a third train. Oh, and that, and that's that's right. And you make a good point. Thanks for the correction. Again, time traveler is so unique, and this is something where I think it has an edge over ride to happiness. Is that amazing drop out of the station? It's not a launch. You're dropping yeah. out, and yep. then you have the, the the that first launch, which is stopped, and then you have the boost launch. Out. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, yeah. You've got Thanks the ninety so degree drop, which was a record for us, a world record. Yeah, um, yeah. And then. You get the dive loop into that first launch. Yeah, it's that's a great beginning. It's one of the best. <laughs> the the back seat the is ride. the best. And I love oh yeah. If, if people haven't oh, yeah. been on that ride, being in the station, just do this the next time if you're listening and you ride that ride. Just watch people as they're getting ready to ride, as they see this train literally drop into the abyss. I mean, there's nothing, but you're so high up in this building, you can't see the ride yep. once you're at the top. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty wild. The view is pretty wild too. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I want to touch upon real quick before moving on from this question um, is you mentioned two different rides, different ride types, different manufacturers that have a commonality to them. So I have to bring this up. So you mentioned BNM Flyers, which I love. I love the, again, I love intense coasters. You know, I love the pretzel loops that are unique to fairly, well, more or less unique to those rides. Uh, and then you mentioned the Flying Dutchman, which I actually like or liked. There's still, I guess, one or two around. Um, yeah. I, I I don't have the issues a lot of people have with them. Uh, again, the flying coaster, that feeling of flying and everything. So I have to ask you, probably don't know I'm going with this. Have you been to Fantasyland? Uh No, no, I have not. I I know where you're going with it. Uh, I would yeah. love, I would love to ride fly. That would be uh, incredible. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And I've heard that that is the ideal flying coaster experience between the. Now the three manufacturers that do it, well, I don't know if Vacoma's making any new Flying Dutchman's, but that is like the superior. Well, I guess that would be Vacoma, isn't it? It still is Vacoma. I mean, yeah. and I will say that I'll say this to you, Dalton. So Fly is, I don't know if you rank your, well, well, we'll find out the next question. Knowing your number one is the one thing, but you know, I actually rank, I think I rank my top 20, 25, I think I'm up to now. As I add new coasters that are in my top, I keep extending that list, but I have at least like top 25, top 30. Um, and uh, uh, Fly is my number three. Okay. And um, again, I like the Flying Dutchman, but a lot of people don't. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I understand, you know, because I listen to people that have different opinions. I get why people don't like the Flying Dutchman. I get it. Um, and for those people's concerns and frustrations and disappointments and whatnot, Vacoma and kudos to Vacoma. And I remember even posting this when I wrote Fly for the first time, October of last year. And I tagged them and they reposted it. And 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 you know, I thought that was awesome. That appreciate them, you know, recognizing my commendation of them. And again, it's all positivity. Um, that Fly was their call it their apology or their saying, hey. All right, you know what? We realized we, we made this, this, and this. And granted, it was designed back in the late 90s, you know, early days of computer, you know, design and stuff that, hey, we can do better. And here is our answer. And, you know, 
here you go world and wow what a reception that was and because i'm not the only person out there that loves fly but when you combine in that is the only launched flying coaster in the world that i know of if and i might be incorrect that there might be others but i don't know of any others uh, and what a perfect coaster to launch a flying coaster like you're right. superman you're flying you know right. um, and, and then on top of that adding airtime to a flying coaster again the only example of that um, the theming interactions, which are top of the top, um, again, incredible experience. Um, and I could see a lot of these things, and you could take a, something like Fly, which has incredible theming, including even a dark ride aspect to it, which I won't go into more specifics of. So I want, to, I want people to keep the surprise, you know, for those who have not ridden it yet. Um, I could see a lot of the aspects of fly fitting into the top tier Hershey parks, you know, your, your Dollywood and, mm -hmm. you know, of course, Silver Dollar City. Um, but, you know, and I hope to see that technology here in the U.S. But until then, as you as an enthusiast um, who likes to travel, I encourage you to get to Fantasyland for many reasons, which we won't go into here because we want to keep on track here. But I think given that you clearly like flying coasters a lot, you fly will knock you out of the water. It'll just completely, yeah, it'll blow you away. So. Yeah, I, I want to get on that, and I also want to do Flying Dinosaur uh, at Universal Japan. I think is where it's yes. at. Um, the, yes. the insane VNM flyer. So, yeah, it just fantastic you know, to land for the setting and Terran and all the other rides oh, yeah. they have there. Oh, Terran is my number one. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, I do need to get to USJ. It's one of the few Universal parks I've not been. To. I've been even to Singapore's um, and ride Flying Dinosaur amongst other things. I've heard amazing things about it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, you are clearly an enthusiast. If I didn't know before <laughs> now some of the things you've mentioned here. That's yeah, go awesome. ahead and quiz me. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a quiz. This is really personal choice quiz, so this is easy. Um, next question. Good segue. So what is your favorite coaster of all time, the 200 or so you've written? Uh, it's such a tough question for me. Like I wouldn't post my top 25 for fear of public ridicule. Because everyone always has an opinion, right? But that's why it's so fun. It's such a subjective sort of thing that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, if I were to look at the different ones that I have have been on, I mean, if, if you want to start with Silver Dollar City, you know, Outlaw Run is is my favorite by far. Sure. I would say that it's it's even my favorite RMC, bar none. Sure. Um, and I and again back to the public ridicule thing. There's going to be so many people that disagree with me, but <laughs> it, you know, there's a lot of history there and what that was for me and. You know, sure. for it going upside down the way it did when it first opened, that was huge. You know, we, right. we take oh, that for, yeah. we we take it for granted now. Uh, and I've been right. on a lot of RMCs, so I feel somewhat informed saying that. But I, sure. I think sure. I think my my favorite is I hate to give two answers because they're so different. It it goes back and forth for me. It's usually Velocicoaster uh, or it's uh, the Phoenix at Knobles. Those are the two that I just keep going back and forth to. And and they're so two wildly different experiences and two wildly different parks uh, for just variety of reasons. Velocicoaster has the length, the speed. Um, I absolutely adore that last inversion that people are so divisive on, that heartline roll over the oh, it's so over the lake. It's my favorite yeah. part. Um, it, it's, it's a ride where you know I don't need an express pass and I can wait and feel like the wait was worth it. As, is one sure. of the best ways I put it. Um, sure. But having the Phoenix as well, that almost unrestricted airtime, that floater air that you get, and a little bit of ejector air in the right seats, doing that at night, I go between both of them. Um, you know, I, I did Velocicoaster most recently again, so I'm going to probably say Velocicoaster. 
Got it. Got it. Well, the Lost Coaster is my number two. Only Taryn could out beat it, and it's not okay. by much. Uh, the Lost Coaster is incredible. Right here in my backyard. I'm very fortunate to live only five minutes away from there. Uh, I haven't ridden it in a while because I've been traveling so much. Not complaining, mind you. Um, but it's great to have it there. Um, and uh, look forward to riding again soon. But it's a fantastic coaster, and it really it, it it's, it's these rides some of these rides we're talking about time traveler ride to happiness fly velocicoaster um terran you know the these newer you know uh, launch coasters and coasters in general um they give they make me excited about the future because you know this is a lot of computer engineering computer design just engine improvement of engineering in general improvement of materials and technology and all this stuff is just making coasters propel forward literally and figuratively uh i've heard amazing things about um velocity coaster of europe uh which is uh batman uh yep. at one uh, one uh uh in in um in, in spain madrid and i actually going there next year never been to the parks in spain I'm excited to ride that and a number of other rides there that park looks actually really amazing um but yeah these great rides and um yeah so i totally respect that and then, you know, let's give some props to Silver City. Uh, I'm not saying this just because I'm talking to you. It's literally on my list right here. I'm looking at on my iPad. Um, I didn't know. I don't have it beyond my like, top four, so I don't have it memorized. Um, <laughs> my number 12, my number 12 is Outlaw Run. Uh, Outlaw Run is my top, well, no, Voyage is a little bit above that. I can't say that. Um, but Outlaw Run is, is my second top um, uh, wooden coaster. And it is nearly my top RMC. It, number 11 is Iron Glossy. And that's it above that. Yes, I know. I You talk about ridicule. I post my top 25. I don't care if people ridicule me. I can take it. And it's <laughs> fine. It's all good. You know, it's all good fun. It's personal opinion. Any, yeah, it's all it's all good fun. And that's what it should be. Some people take it beyond that. I um, do but, think yeah. that, that us and our sister park, Dollywood, uh, we do yeah. have a very wonderful collection of rides I oh think yeah we shine through outside of the coasters oh. everything all together i think is where a park like us kind of cuts through the the other noise oh absolutely um but where i was alluding to there with the quote-unquote you know jokingly ridicule is i don't have any rmc's in my top 10 and i beat to my own drum i like rmc but i don't you know the the fever about RMC that people have, like you know, each new RMC that comes out, it's their new number one. I, I don't buy into that. <laughs> That's just not my thing. You know, it's my yeah. personal opinion. But um, but what I will tell you, and again, this is I'm a, I knew this one because it's a number one. I keep track of of dark rides, coasters, rapids rides, and parks, theme parks at least. Uh, ranking them, I I love ranking things again for my personal fun, if anything else. And I will tell you that Silver Dollar City has a number one for me. And hey. that number one is Mystic River Falls. Oh, excellent. It is such I, a wonderful yeah. rapids ride. It is oh, so absolutely. good. <laughs> and they, I do what, think they, some they, of that has to do with how new it is. I mean, you don't see a new oh, rapids yeah. ride, you know. Oh, yeah. The way you guys did that and everything. I mean, I never experienced the original rapids ride that you guys had, but whatever changes you made, I know which were extensive. And it's a great ride, the theming and everything, great setting. But what clinches that ride for me is that flume section at the end is just wild. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, a, it's, it's a special, ex, a special experience yeah. that you can only get here at Silver Dollar City, but also the the four lifts that take you up um, to get that yeah. view is fun. And I do think the boats, um, you know, I'm not an engineer, but they feel a little bit smaller than that traditional River Rapids ride that you might do. And yeah. that makes it feel a little more wild. Like you get some pretty good spins on that ride, even in the Rapids sections. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's a great ride overall. And I enjoy it. I, I look forward to riding it again. Because generally speaking, I will uh, come to your park in the summer. Okay. However, we're going to talk about me not doing that. Well, we'll get to that later. So I'm going to tie that into something else we're going to talk about. Uh, well, we'll get to that. And actually, once again, a segue. So thank you for you know talking about your kind of personal kind of nerddom, if you will, our shared nerddom of parks sure. and coasters, especially. And and uh, thanks for kind of going through that. But let's talk about, you know, the main reason why you're here is to represent, of course, uh, the, the company you work for and you're very passionate about, uh, the park that you work for, especially Silver Dollar City. So first of all, let's talk about the exciting news and what's coming to Silver City. I'm excited about And again, it's an RMC and I like my RMC. So I'm, and I'm very curious about this RMC. Because I know it's not going to be an outlaw run or, or an iron quasi. It's going to be very different. And I love seeing companies. This is why Intamin's my favorite. One of the reasons how diverse they are. We just talked about Mystic River Falls. I mean, they make some of the best rapids rides. You know, they make drop towers and, and of course, coasters of all kinds from wooden to steel and everything. They're very diverse. Well, it's great to see RMC, this new and upcoming, very talented company, diver- you know, going into other areas. And I'm excited to see what they do. I'd love to see them do water rides maybe eventually. But for now, at least they're doing this very, you know, family-friendly attraction, which has not been a thing they've really done before for the most part. So, and of course, I am talking about the uh, second generation or the new version, if you will, of Fire in the Hole. So, of course, that's coming next year. I'm hoping to get to Silicon City next year to try to check it out. So, Dalton, what can you tell us? Um, what do guests and, and coaster enthusiasts, for that matter, uh, have to look forward to on Fire in the Hole? Well, right now, as of the recording this podcast, you have less than 10 days to experience the original. Um, so the original Fire in the Hole uh, will go away December 30th. Um, so that's one thing to look forward to. If you want to get a last ride on that, you know, now's the time. It might already be too late by the time this comes out. We don't know. But, um, you know, that is something that is very special at our park has a 51 year history 25 million people have been on the ride and they've experienced the story of the ride they've experienced uh, red flanders not ned flanders red flanders uh, losing his pants <laughs> his his wife sadie uh yelling at him to not worry about that right now there's other things to worry about the town's on fire the hotel ruins on fire uh there's dang bald knobbers uh they've set the whole town ablaze and so uh we're really keeping a lot of those tried and true things that folks love about fire in the hole in the new version so let's start with with red red flanders will be in the new version of fire in the hole sadie will nice. be in the new version of fire in the hole uh, almost an identical scene of him being um it, trying to escape the window if you will out of the hotel uh, we're going to elevate that a little bit more sadie flanders his wife will actually be a roaming character in our park starting next year so we've got oh. some other characters like the hatfield and mccoy's We've got uh, Doc Harris, who's Wildfire. Um, we've got a, a steampunk a gentleman from Time Traveler. So we've already got these characters, Whoops-a-Daisy. She w- walks around. So we're going to expand that a little bit more. So Sadie will be have her own presence, and then she'll have her own pretzel cafe uh, next year. So hmm. that that pretzel cafe goes uh, on, on the hill right behind our Fire Spotter balloon ride in what is now Fireman's Landing. Um, and to go a little bit further, uh, there will be a new store called Flanders Dry Goods that takes that lore even further. That will be a merchandise nice. store, which... With all of that, the Pretzel Cafe, the new merchandise store, with Fire in the Hole being located behind Fireman's Landing, that whole area of Fireman's Landing changes. Uh, it becomes the Fire District starting next year because mm. that's what a city does. Uh, we, we we rezone. <laughs> and so if you go down to Fireman's <laughs> Landing right now, we have a giant um, rezoning uh, uh, ordinance notice that's up on a tree. And we made it look like you know a, a city in the 1880s would do. We're really 
trying to lean into that even more so than we have since the park the park opened but um, that'll be the fire district fire in the hole will sit right behind fire station number three which is the the landmark sort of that exists right now in fireman's landing uh, and what also is staying are those three drops so there'll be the same three drops that we have in the current ride uh, the first one is through a burning bridge the difference in the new ride is that the Kinney Bridge, as it's called, will actually collapse. So as you go down the drop, the bridge will fall with you. So it'll give kind oh, of a cool okay. optical illusion effect. Um, in the current yes. ride, the second drop, you encounter what looks like a train. What is in reality a, a light with a coffee can that's moving around? <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not joking. It's really a coffee can. Wow. Um, look for that next time. Easter egg. Well, you've got nine days to look for it. But <laughs> right, the, right. <laughs> the second drop on the new ride will be an actual... Um, uh, a mock-up, I'll say, uh, of an actual steam engine, a train. Uh, and so we've cut it out of styrofoam. We have a gigantic robot KUKA arm. The KUKA is the brand that, oh. that cuts us like a CNC arm, kind of. Um, yep. it, it creates things out of solid styrofoam, really any material you want. Um, but we've created an actual train. Uh, <laughs> at least it looks like the shell of a train. Uh, we did that all in-house, so it looked like you're colliding with that instead of the coffee can and the light. And then the third drop is where things change a little bit. In the current ride... Um, you go under what is a dynamite shack uh, and then right. you just, you hear fire in the hole, you go under the dynamite shack and you hit water and you're like, okay, cool. Water splash. Uh, the new ride will have the water splash, but the dynamite shack changes. So the last thing you encounter is a water tower. Uh, the bald knobbers hmm. were trying to actually blow up the water tower and they didn't realize, oh, there's water in it. And so you'll go right by that water tower uh, and that's what puts out the entire fire of the towns. The water tower explodes and you'll uh -huh. actually hit the water splash, which makes sense why the water's even there in the first place. Um, Got so it. Got those it. three things are there. That'll be very similar to what you've encountered before. A lot of the scenes are very similar. There's still an outdoor scene that you encounter first. Um, a lot of the changes will be in the town itself. Uh, there basically will be more life to the town. The entire ride uh, now has onboard audio on all the vehicles. So you'll be told a story oh, nice. the entire time. I don't know that our guests now could tell you really what fire in the holes about if they hadn't been briefed by someone in the family or a family friend right. or did a week Wikipedia search. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, those elements are really what's going to elevate the ride experience. Uh, we'll be able to unload a train as we're loading a train. That's going to be nice for capacity sake. The trains are absolutely beautiful. I know you saw them down at the RMC booth at IAPA. Yeah. They're, oh, yeah. they're, they're very pretty. Um, and then, also, what's exciting is as the ride ends, um, you'll see what looks like the townspeople um, celebrating you. It's actually a video screen, uh, but they're congratulating you on putting the fire out. Uh, and so we have a bunch of our image characters that exist here today. Uh, Master Candymaker, Blacksmith, those fictional characters I talked about thanking you for saving the town. So it really brings in the story of Fire in the Hole and the park together. Nice. Very nice. So obviously, brand new ride mechanics, uh, thanks to RMC. But on top of that, uh, some changes in the theming elements of the ride, but also it sounds like m uh, even a more immersive theming and both audio and visual. We're making it uh, better than it, you know, even the folks who constructed the original could ever imagine truly, uh, because sure. our goal is for this ride to be here another 50 plus years like the current one. Um, nice. it, this seemed to be the best way to honor the legacy of the ride is rebuild it from the ground up. And so that's another thing I've, not been battling uh working in publicity here but uh just that narrative mm -hmm. that uh oh you know they're 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 going to use the same buildings like no it's completely changing location it's 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 going over a different part of the park there will be some props that will be uh, used in the new ride uh but think of them being as more like easter eggs rather than um you know a, a big prominent set piece 
Got it. Now, now, are you reusing any of the theming, actual physical theming from the original ride? Yeah, some of it. Um, I can't oh, say okay. what that is. Sure, not, sure. Like like right now, it's more of a surprise. I can tell you definitely one item that will be have some prominence in the new ride. Uh, there's a beautiful mural, a hand-painted mural when you first are in the queue line for Fire in the Hole inside. Mm. Uh, and that right. mural will move over to the new ride location nice. in some form or fashion. So it's things like that. Um, the pumper that's at uh, Fireman's Landing, it's underneath Fire Station number three. That pumper actually gets moved to the queue line and Fire in the Hole, the new one. So there's things all over that are going to find its way over there. I actually went to a flea market a couple weeks ago and, and bought some stuff after sending some photos to some folks at our creative studios. They're like, just get it and we'll figure out where it goes. With a bunch of like <laughs> nice. 1880s firefighting stuff. So that was just kind of luck of the draw. That doesn't happen often, but yeah. Nice. That, that's cool to see you. And that's got to be fun for you to, you know, your communications manager you know, PR and so forth. You're not a theming guy, but you got to help out with that. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what drew me into the industry originally is is that sort of thing. So that's oh, been, nice. to be able to have a little say in that, or not say, but just part of that. That's been really Yeah, cool. to influence it, help improve it. That's great. That's that's awesome. I love it. So yeah, that's, uh, this, yeah, the ride sounds great. I love how you're honoring the original because the history there and the love there, but also adding in some new, you know, some little new technology, like to the onboard audio and improving the theming and, and whatnot. Of course, I'm sure the, you know, given that's RMC, the um, ride mechanics, yeah, it's not going to be some thrill coaster, but I'm sure it'll be a very smooth ride for, you know, very comfortable ride for people. And It, and, it will uh, be. I had yeah. heard from, um, I can't remember who the person was. I know they worked at RMC. It's not one of the familiar ones that, that I know of, but yeah, he did yeah. tell me there is going to be a tiny bit of airtime between drops oh. two and three. So watch for that. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So they're just a little bit, and again, a little bit of airtime. It's still very family friendly. And, yeah. You know, we, yeah. We have to remember so. that the, the current ride for so many people was the very first coaster that they've been yeah. on, whether they were three or 93. Um, it was right. the a first ride for so many and it really opens up the barriers to do our other rides. You know, people get a sense of bravery as they come off. It's my favorite part of the current ride is watching children, adults, teenagers, whoever, grandma and grandpa get off the ride and they're like, wow, right. I want to do something more like that. Or that was cooler than I thought it'd be, you know? Right. And, and I bet a lot of parents, you know, you're talking about, you know, your first coaster rides early in the beginning of the interview, how your parents kind of coerced you into going on to the, these first couple of coasters. Uh, you know, a fire in the hole, the existing one for nine more days. And of course, the new one are are great rides for parents to trick their kids. Oh, yeah, it's just a dark ride. It's slow moving. You know, you see some characters. Here's some, you know, here's some audio. It's just a fun whole vehicle moves around. And then you tell them afterwards, oh, you were just on a coaster. Like, I was. Oh, yeah, I guess I kind of was, you know, you know, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So moving on from what's coming to uh, Silver City, Silver City, as you pointed out, you know, the history and how long the existing fire hall has been around. Silver City is not a new park. It's been around for a long time, has a lot of history to it, a lot of other attractions. So putting that all together, Dalton, what would you say makes Silver Dollar City, in your opinion, so special? I think the two things that make us special, it's twofold. It's the the place and it's the people. Um, our location is one that is so uh, very unique in the middle of the Ozark Mountains, one that just can't be replicated. Um, the terrain of our park, how the pathways wind, how we um, build around our trees as much as we possibly can. Uh, that's that's one half of that equation. The other half is the people who work here. It's the culture of the Ozarks. It's what uh, 
Jack and Pete Hershend, their parents, Mary and Hugo from Chicago, when they decided, you know, we want to buy this existing Marvel cave, this cave business, this touring business, the people and the beauty is what drew them here. Um, And, you know, people often say, you know, our culture here, our working culture, the park culture is is unmatched thanks to Jack and Pete. And and Jack and Pete will tell you, uh, well, that's just the Ozarks culture that we've we've emulated. Um, We've taken it um, and 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 really worked with that. It was the culture that was already here that helped them fall in love. If, if it wasn't for those original folks and even the folks today that help run this park, that cast a vision for this park, um, it wouldn't be um, what it is today. Uh, and, and we know that certainly. So I think it's the setting and I think it's the people. The rides are great. The coasters are top notch, um, but it's the people and, and the setting. And, you know, Mary had always said, you know, if we can take care of our guests and we can take care of our employees, then we might have a shot at actually making this thing work. Nice. I love that. And that, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. You've got the people that are making things happen behind the scenes or front lines, your employees, like you said, if they're happy and if the people that are responsible for the revenue, your customers, you know, if they're happy, you're accomplished your mission. I mean, what else is there? And everyone's happy, you know. Right. So we we never yeah. know when a guest walks through these turnstiles. You know, they could have just gotten the best news of their life, and that's why they're here today. They could have had right. the worst news of their life, and that's why they're here today. So we always right. we always have that in the back of our minds. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's yeah. You just touched upon you know theme park therapy right there. You know, if you everything's great, you're just having a fun day. But sometimes people come to the parks. Uh, because they've had a, a stressful time recently, or maybe they just got some bad news and they just need a break. They just need to give their mind a critical break, the anxiety that they're feeling from that real world problem right. uh, or stress or whatnot. So yeah, yeah, you never know. That's true. So tell us about uh, the special events, you know, whether it be kind of near term upcoming, or if you just want to highlight in general, what typically, what kind of special events you typically have throughout the year at Silver Dollar City. Yeah, I'll try and fly through this. We have 10 world-class, what we call uh, festivals and events. Uh, So we start every spring with spring ride days. That's really uh, mid-March to late March. It's a time where we recognize that families are looking to literally break out of their houses. Uh, We get some some good weather here. Not like what you have in Florida, Andrew, but uh, in March, (laughs) you know, in March, 50 degrees feels pretty good um, after it's been in the 20s and the 30s and sometimes in the upper 40s. And so uh, we offer an opportunity for for families to come out and just enjoy some rides. We might have some uh, different entertainment going on in some of our outdoor venues, um, but it's really ride focused. That's why folks are there. And so then that takes us into a quick weekend. We have a Young Christians weekend where we bring in acts uh, from all over the country. Um, oh. Next year, we're going to have Mosaic and also Vertical Worship Band. Those are two huge names, mm. at least in the worship t- uh, scene, um, for sure there. Uh, then later in April, throughout all of April, really, we do the Street Fest. Street Fest uh, is sort of our international fest where we're bringing acts from all over the world to showcase uh, different talents. We'll showcase different foods. Uh, that's where our tasting passport was born. That was the first mm. festival we tried that at where you could sample five tastes throughout the park. That was huge for us. Uh, so that's a great festival. The flowers are blooming. Uh, and then in May, we jump into Bluegrass and Barbecue. And this is actually an internationally awarded festival from the International Bluegrass Music Association, the IBMA, uh, as we bring in top-notch uh, bluegrass performers um, from all over the country, uh, including the Queen of Bluegrass, Rhonda Vincent, uh, and some other uh, well-known names too. Uh, and nice. then in June, it's all about summer. After Memorial Day is over, from June throughout July, we do... Um, 
our summer celebration. And then in the latter part of July, we'll do summer nights. So this is full on entertainment at uh, mainly all of our venues. We're going to have a show uh, and we're going to have all of our rides open. We're going to have extended hours, even into summer nights. That's where you can get the coveted night rides that people love at Silver Dollar City. We'll be open until 10 p.m. Uh, almost every single day from mid-July to the uh, beginning of August. Uh, then we have a sort of season pass appreciation days in there. We end August with the Southern Gospel Picnic. Take the Bluegrass Festival I mentioned, but turn it into Southern Gospel. We bring in Southern Gospel acts from all mm. over the country for about a 10-day-long um, special event festival. Uh, we'll do different sort of Southern cooking as well, a whole different menu for that. Uh, and then we do a weekend of country music. That's in mid-September. And then around uh, true mid-September, I should say, that's when we uh, break out the pumpkins. Harvest Festival starts September 15th this last year, goes all the way to the end of October. Uh, and then we need about five or six days, usually that last week of October, early November, to uh, really prep for our Christmas event. That's our old-time Christmas. That's probably our most famous event. That's when we yeah. receive national recognition for international recognition. Six and a half million LED Christmas lights, Broadway-style productions, all the food changes over. Frozen lemonade goes away. We change it for hot wassail and hot chocolate and hot apple cider. Um, <laughs> it's just a wonderful time to be here. Uh, it's that and harvest are my two favorite times a year. Uh, but there's really always something to do. And those festivals, what those really do, it helps our season pass holders um, find value for visiting us uh, multiple times throughout the year. And we bring in all of our concerts we mentioned. None of those are additional charges. It's all included nice. with your ticket price and our parking's free still. We're one of the remaining parks in this country that does free parking nice nice yeah you know and and a few things to touch upon there just mention the concerts uh you know your sister park wild adventures is my call it my home quote-unquote uh Hirschen park it's sure. you know of course um it's not in florida but it's in valdosta georgia which is basically almost on the border uh with florida very southern georgia it's it's about two and a half hours three hours from where i live and uh, one of my local friends, as well as um, um, a couple of friends I mentioned earlier, Larry and Gene, who come to visit a lot, they live in Ohio. Uh, the four of us went, um, uh, we were hosted, actually, uh, thanks to Adam and his kindness. Uh, gosh, what was it? I think, was it March this year? It was sometime early this year. Uh, and it, it might have been summertime. I've, I can't remember when. But anyway, we uh, went up there. And one of the reasons why we went that particular day is I think it was Ario Speedwagon was playing. And like you were saying there, your park, uh, the, the concerts are included. Now, of course, there's enough charge if you want like the really premium seating. And that's that's great that's offered. But, you know, for the for everyone, there's a great value for the rest of us um, that yeah, you can just get the regular seating and it's included. And we had a great time. It was a great concert um, and just a fun day visiting that park. I'd never been there before. So, again, similar value offered uh, throughout, the, I guess, throughout the Hershey chain. Um, another thing you mentioned, I, I was going to mention this earlier, but then you kind of mentioned some things in there with the, the different festivals and everything that's going on. Um, one of the things that I love about, for example, especially Silver City and Dollywood, is in my opinion, uh, there is, you know, you can talk about Disney, Universal, especially Universal Orlando, you know, amazing theming, uh, some of the best, you know, over the top, you know, these incredibly immersive themed lands, um, you know, that are high budget and all that stuff. Um, but when you kind of get down to a little bit more of a, you know, you're not talking about Galaxy's Edge or some futuristic, you know, Star Wars or or something, you know, from like Harry Potter. You're talking about like real world theming, but, you know, perhaps an old Western town, you know, mining town or whatnot, like Silver Hill City, um, you know, or similarly with with Dollywood, with with the kind of the Western parts of that of that part. 
um, a little more approachable theming. There is a holy trifecta of parks in this country that if you can look at that combined with, you're talking about the trees, and this sort of made me think of that as well in, in Silver Hour City, you know, trying to preserve all the trees. Just the natural beauty, the water, waterfalls, lakes, rivers, um, again, the trees, the foliage, the moss. Plant general. <laughs> yeah, moss. There is a holy trifecta of parks. Two of them are within the Hershey chain. One is not in this country that are just levels above every other park in this country. And those are, well, Silver City of Dollywood, as I already mentioned, beautiful parks, gorgeous parks. And then Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Mm. Just absolute treasures from a kind of a little more naturalistic theming and, of course, natural beauty perspective. Just gorgeous, gorgeous parks. All of them have amazing train rides and, you know, kind of less similarities, uh, despite one of them not being in your chain. Um, the other thing I want to commend you guys on, you know, before I forget here, uh, and then I want to touch upon something about the specifically about the events you mentioned, uh, is, in my opinion, Silver Dollar City and Dollywood have some of the best theme park food anywhere in the world consistently. And I'm not just talking about the cinnamon bread. Cinnamon bread's amazing. You, I always get the cinnamon bread. It's, I, I it's funny. <laughs> I I had never had cinnamon bread before I started working. I mean, and I and I thought this yeah. park was so great for food, but yeah. continue. I, I just that always interests yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I never had cinnamon bread before in my life until I went to Dollywood for the first time. I went to Dollywood before I went to Silver Dollar City about a year prior for the first time. Um and I, I jokingly so as a Thuzi, you'll appreciate this. When I went to Dollywood, I, I said, and this is nothing, this is not sliding the coasters to Dollywood at all. I, I jokingly posted on my social media when I got my cinnamon bread at the end of my visit to Dollywood for the first time. I said, this is the best credit at Dollywood. <laughs> you know, jokingly. <laughs> all right. But anyway, yeah. But, but it's, it's but really I, good. It's really yeah. good. But it goes but, here yeah, beyond the yeah. bread. I mean, we've got our yeah. skillets. Those skillets yeah, are like oh, part. So that's good. part of our culture. That was a recipe that someone in our foods team they came up with. Their family. Nice. That was a way when they were growing up with with not much money. Um, after church on Sundays, that's what her mom would do. Her grandma would do. Uh, make this succotash, and so that was our first skillet. Now I think we have over eight different skillets at Silver Dollar City, all of different varieties and sizes, nice. and, and that's I think what separates us it, it, with some of those other parks too. The the homemadeness that we like to do. We 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 don't like to serve anything. Our foods team they doesn't they don't like to serve anything they wouldn't serve their own kids. You know, hand-breaded chicken tenders were huge on that. Homemade macaroni and cheese. I mean, we want everything to be as homemade as possible and authentic as possible. Oh yeah, no, you're and you're you're yeah, you're spot on. The food is incredible and very different than Dollywood. It's not like you carbon copies you have the same food. Like you said, the skillets, for example, a staple of Silver Hill City. And I've tried at least one of them. I think it was like a sausage and vegetables, potato. Oh my gosh, so good. Uh, but that's even the sausage pizza, medley. That is our most, se- that's our second most famous skillet. Succotash is number one, but yeah. Succotash number one that you mentioned earlier. Okay. Um, there's, and again, I don't remember the lands well in your park because I've not been there enough. I think I'm changing that. Um, but there is um, a pizza restaurant kind of in the middle of the park. Yeah, and, that's Crossroads Pizza. Uh, the Crossroads yeah. meaning that's the road that separates the path to go west to go towards Wilson's Farm and Outlaw Run on the outskirts, like it's if you're going west. Right. That actually that makes sense for what I remember. That pizza is fantastic. I mean, there, I, yeah. every meal I have the barbecue. Uh, we talked before the recording. We were talking offline that the barbecue restaurant that you guys have incredible food. I mean. 
So the much. pizza it, itself is it, is homemade wood fired pizza. It's made right there in front yeah. of you when you order. It's made to order in our barbecue. Nineteen hours smoked over hickory hickory wood, <laughs> right there in the park. Nice. But we don't use liquid smoke here. That's sort of a uh, curse word around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Missouri, where Savannah City is located, is known for its barbecue amongst other states. But I, I am a Kansas City boy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. St. Louis, Kansas City, the most known for barbecue. Um, yeah, I've never, I've literally never had a bad meal at Dollywood or Solar City. Um, and it's something, one of the aspects I always look forward to. Great, again, great food, the um, this, the gorgeous scenery, that the theming being a part of that, but not the only aspect of that. Uh, and the rides, and you know, it's just great. Now, I alluded to this earlier, and I wanted to wait until we talked through the special events. So, um, I mentioned uh, you know, earlier about how uh, Silver Isle City and prior to that, Dollywood were bucket list parks for me. I embarrassingly, so to speak, as a Thuzi, you know, well into adulthood, um, older than you, uh, had never been to those parks. They were just gaps in my, you know, they're they're not, they were never near any place I lived. You know, they still aren't. So I had a journey to get there, which is the journey is always part of the fun of, of getting somewhere, not just the destination, but I just never had been to those parks. And finally made it happen, both of them within about a year of each other. Um, but I still have this sort of asterisk bucket list for both parks. And that is, I love the holidays. Um, my okay. favorite time of the year is the trifecta of I love Halloween and haunts and, you know, that some of that non family friendly, you know, the, the, the haunts like Universal and, and Knott's Bray Farm and Knott's Carey Farm, I should say, and things like that. But, um, but Halloween in general and then Thanksgiving. Love them, one of my favorite holidays, and then getting into, of course, Christmas and the New Year and, and all that. But love the holiday spirit, um, you know, the giving and the sharing and the celebrating with family and seeing family. And as part of that, I enjoy the holidays of the parks. You know, again, your haunts and even, you know, the family friendly stuff. The Luma Lights, for example, at Dollywood, gorgeous. Oh my gosh, so gorgeous. And again, you don't have to have a haunt to enjoy Halloween. And it's an example of that. Um, and then, you know, not so much Thanksgiving, but then getting into the Christmas and New Year's kind of bridges into November around Thanksgiving time. Uh, and, you know, the lights and the special shows at, at, at the parks. And right now, and I have a feeling it's going to change, but right now my top ranking, not that I have a list for this, but my top ranking um, Christmas themed uh, park events Um well, technically, I would say my winter event, if you will, that it definitely is Vincer Trauma at Fantasio Land. There's, there's nothing that compares. But that's not so much Christmas-focused. It's, it's, it's more holidays. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't get into Christmas shows, so to speak. They have amazing shows, though. But a more traditional Christmas, I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. The best one I've been to is SeaWorld Orlando. They're the best uh, holiday event in Central Florida, a park event. They beat Disney. They beat Universal. Incredible. If you've not been to it, amazing event. They've got an amazing one-two punch of their Old Wondrous Night, which is an amazing Christmas show, uh, combined with their Winter Wonderland on Ice and the fireworks they do afterwards. Tonight. Great ice show. Great music. Pushing the holiday spirit. All that said, I know, I already know, and I've not been that that will be trumped by two other holiday theme park events that I are, again, they're gaps for me. Dollywood's uh, Smokey Mountain Christmas and the, uh, what is it, Old Time Christmas that you guys have at Silver Dollar City. Right. Um, I have come so close to going, but this time of year usually is busy for me and all that, but I will get there um, to each of them, maybe not in the same year, um, but I cannot, I have heard so many amazing things, Dalton. 
Um, not to start comparing, but especially about all-time Christmas. I have heard that Silver Dollar City has the best Christmas event, period. So for multiple sources. So I cannot wait to do We're that. proud of, of Christmas here. We have six and a half million lights. We cover every single board of, of every building with lights. The only exception is Christmas in Midtown, um, where we cover every building with lights um, of our six and a half million over 1.25 or just in this small area. Uh, so that wow. is like true Hallmark movie come to life in Christmas in Midtown. But the entire park is adorned with lights. Um, even some of our roller coasters will get on it. We'll put some strings of lights on catwalks or we'll put some up lighting on certain wow. rides to to match uh, the theming there. And then we also have two Broadway style productions, our most famous of which is uh, Dickens Christmas Carol. It's celebrating nice. 20 years and people hear that and they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen the Christmas Carol before. <laughs> Our version is completely different. We've got um, live pyrotechnics. We've got optical illusions and real illusions. There's some magic involved in it. Dancing, all sorts of stuff. Victorian outfits, moving set pieces. Uh, it's just a tremendous show. And every press contact I take and host at this park, and I, I take them to Dickens, uh, they're just always blown away. If I can get them in the theater, it's it's the best decision they made all night. Um, then you add all our rides and attractions, except for the water rides. They're open into the night. Right. The temperatures allow sometimes until 10 o'clock. Uh, and so when daylight savings is over, um, you get five hours of night rides here, which is uh, wow. insane on something like Outlaw Run or Time oh, Traveler, yeah. uh, Wildfire 2. Uh, awesome night rides that you get. Uh, and the park just just comes alive. It has a different energy. All the music changes out to Christmas music. Um, we have this enormous eight-story tree that's able to... Uh, by using LED light technology, it's not a TV screen. It literally like makes the shape of objects like moving shadows, oh, yeah. children jumping, presents opening. And it's it's not a screen. That's the what the that's what's so unique about it. It's literally 350,000 LED lights that make this happen. Um, and it's a fantastic show. Um, you know, we switch out all the frozen lemonade I mentioned to Wassel, hot chocolate hot apple cider. Uh, our buffets change to holiday buffets. We have a prime rib buffet that's carved right off uh, on the carving station right in front of you. Um, it's just a tremendous time to be here. Even all our host outfits, they change to red and green and gingerbread men and, and candy canes wow. and all that, all that sort of stuff. And so we still keep the 1880s theme alive. Um, it is just a tremendous time to be here and it's such a great value to be here. And this year we were uh, once again voted number one theme park holiday event in the country. Oh, I believe it. USA Today, 10 best. That's the sixth time we've won that unprecedented amount of wow. wins. Wow. And I, you've been hearing me, wow, 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 wow. And and it's it's legitimate. And yes, I've heard about, you know, this event from friends. And I've seen some stories, you know, literally stories, Instagram from friends. But I've not looked up YouTube videos, like the lights. I don't even know what the lights look like there. And I do that on purpose. Just like I don't generally watch POVs of coasters before yeah. I ride them. I want to see it for myself. Well, for sorry about time. my Zoom background. <laughs> I spoiled oh, no, that's okay. Story. Yeah, okay. There's a little hint there. Yeah, what we are. Yeah, of course. We're while we're recording here, we've got we're on video, and I and I saw that from the beginning. I'm like, you know, and I wasn't even look thinking about. Oh, I've seen some of that already, but or now I've seen some of that. No, it's just I, obviously it's just a small part of it. One of the buildings there, but it looks great, by the way. Um, speaking of the lights, I do want to ask, and if you can't answer this, that's fine. But I have heard call it, rumors too strong of a way to put this, but I've heard. So I mentioned Sea World. You know, here in Central Florida, it's my favorite Christmas event here in Florida, in Central yeah. Florida, well, all Florida. Um, prior to going to that event, I there was an uh, not an event, but a part of a Christmas celebration at one of the parks here in Florida, 
for years, went to it several times. This is back in the mid 2000s, the mid aughts, if you will, uh, as they call them, um, that I absolutely loved. It was at Hollywood Studios before they revamped Hollywood Studios and wrecked half of, or no, not wrecked, they demoed half of it to build Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land. Um, they had all the streets of America and all that. And they did the Osborne family lights. And I just loved those. And I've heard this story from multiple sources that the Osborne lights, all of those millions, I think, of lights were bought by Hershen and they're now at Silver Dollar City. Can you confirm that? Is that true? Uh, that is not true. So the Osborne okay. lights okay. before they were Hollywood Studios actually originated. There's our neighbors in Arkansas. Uh, that's the family okay. that had the original lights. Um, our event, well, not our event, our display of that at Christmas in Midtown um, looks very similar. Uh, it's, you know, adding ah. adding elevation to buildings that aren't necessarily as tall as they are. So at night, it'll look like, you know, a one-story building is two-story, three is four, et cetera, okay. et cetera. Um, but all of that was done by the men and women of Silver Dollar City who fabricated it custom here. Every piece fits our buildings and it even the trees, like how it's lifted in everything, it all fits that section of the park. So it's all homemade. Uh, all the lights that we have are just like our other lights that we have on park, all LED lights. Um, but I could see how folks thought that was similar. In fact, the only reason I know what the Osborne lights are was because yeah. of 2017 when we opened Christmas in Midtown and we got that question and we were like, the what? Um, and so then we researched, oh, okay. So yeah, there was really kind of an unknown from some of us, and I would say all of us, but like, oh, we didn't even know that those were a thing. It's like, oh, that, that looks similar, but you know, we were confidently able to say, no, that's that's it's our own thing. We didn't even know what the, those were. Okay. I'm I'm sure in benchmarking, I'm sure the team that does that definitely saw that as as right some something to benchmark for sure. Um, right, but um, no, those are not the Osborne lights. Though I know what they are. I know right. the fandom that exists around them. But oh, it's yeah. cool to learn that they were in. Arkansas, our, our neighbor, uh, we're only several other cities, 20 minutes from Arkansas. Um, it, you know, right. that's where they started. Interesting. Okay, interesting. So the the lights you were describing, the kind of three-dimensionality, kind of the, the verticality of it, these modern millions of lights, that's kind of, you know, wild, like, you know, lights that people are now know from Silver City's Christmas event, one of the things they love about it. That started around 2017, you said? The Christmas in Midtown display was in 2017. We've been that doing old time Christmas since mid 80s. Um, okay. And it started as the 12 days of Christmas. And it was very, very small event. It was on the square of the city. It had less than, I think, 10,000 lights. Um, okay. And and some you know management kind of thought that, will anyone even show up? Because we had closed sometimes mm. uh, on Labor Day, sometimes a little bit later in September. Sometimes October oh, wow. was completely closed. So... Um, it's really, you know, through through the evolution it's had has sprouted into what it is today. Right, right. Which which a lot of parks have seen, especially more successful parks, you know, you guys, Dollywood, almost becoming year-round parks now because of how much right. they're loved. And then and rightly so. I mean, just amazing treasures of parks. Right. So so the 2017, the Christmas in Midtown, so that represented a big increase in lights. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So that was over uh, okay. 1.25 okay. million just in that. And then we've had right. four iterations of our tree. Uh, our newest Christmas tree was in 2019, the one with the LED light mapping technology. Um, we'd had trees before that. This one was much bigger, much better, much brighter. Um, we just yeah. continually grow that event because of how popular it is. 
Yeah, your Christmas tree, by the way, I want to get back to the lights because I have, I have a theory as to why this rumor happened. It's going to be kind of fun. But the your tree sounds like a very advanced, heavy-duty version of kind of the home version. If you've heard of Twinkly Lights, and uh, which uh, myself and David are really into. David uses them in his holiday displays for both Halloween and Christmas at his uh, his work of his business. He actually does a lot of theming himself at his business for for the residents of Burbank, where his business is. Um, I've built that up more and more over the years. He uses Twinkly a little bit commercially there. I've just used them a little bit personally in my home before, um, where you can do the th the patterns and the lights on trees and on string lights and things like that. But I know there's more commercialized versions from Twinkly and others, um, other companies that do that. I've seen that Universal here. They offered on their Christmas tree the last year or two, uh, and it's it's awesome to see that. Um, and it sounds like you guys have a really cool version of it. Um, going back to the so the Christmas in Midtown, adding a lot of like millions of lights in 2017. If I remember my history, theme park history, if you will, recent history correctly, that would have been right around the time that the demo that I spoke of earlier of the Streets of America in Hollywood Studios would have happened. Okay, so. So the two things I think that happened here is the timing, the coincidence, yep. along with how amazing your lights and immersive your lights are, and how you know the you know, how you know the density of lights and how they create this uh, this other world. It sounds like like Osborne lights did. It sounds like someone like oh oh well they got rid of them Disney World oh and here they are at Silver Island City because look at this it looks it's similar to that yeah people. You know how that goes. People people start spreading rumors because they make assumptions. I could sometimes. see that. It's yeah. it's in a it's yeah. in a part of the yeah. park where there are no rides necessarily. It's right in the center of the yeah. park. Uh and the music changes when you go through there. There are uh quote unquote portals that you enter to go yeah. through to enter that section. So I could definitely see that. At the same time, our decisions that we make here, I mean, we have a 10-year master plan, and then obviously you, yeah. know, you don't know the specifics at 10 years, but of course, you know, certainly they knew in that year they wanted to add to Christmas. And so I, I think coincidence is the is the answer. Oh, yeah. There. But clearly, um, clearly a big coincidence. I'm glad you cleared that up because yeah. I, I was curious. I was like, really? That just doesn't sound right that Disney would sell those and they're probably in a warehouse somewhere or who knows what, because you never know that they might want to use them again somewhere. So this makes a lot more sense. And I think it's even better this way that you guys, you know, perhaps maybe, maybe your creatives were somewhat inspired, like you said, by the Osborne lights because sure. they're famous. And they, they originated in Arkansas, the Osborne family lights, the Osborne family in Arkansas, um, but nonetheless created your own and perhaps even better. I mean, you're what, I mean, you're just vision, you know, you're just describing with words um, but I'm the idea in my head, and maybe I'm going to. I, hopefully, I'm not creating a disappointment here. But what you have described sounds even better than you know than, than what I've heard from others, just because I've not heard a lot of details, and I've not wanted. And don't worry, you've not spoiled it for me anything. But <laughs> I've purposely not asked friends a lot of questions. I'll put it that way um, because I wasn't interviewing them um, about you know. I just had a friend tell me you know the shows were great, the meat, the the theming, the 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 food, you know how that changed the, the beverages. You know, all just so great and so awesome, and the night rides, of course, too. Outlaw runs amazing at night, for example. Um, but now you kind of filled in some gaps here without spoiling, mind you. And the lighting displays, and, and the you know that sounds amazing. So yeah, like I I gotta get to this event, and I will. I know I will. It's just I just haven't had time yet. It has Please come visit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will. And I know I love your park. I've only been there for one visit across a couple days, two three days, but. 
I need to get back because, and then, you know, next year is a great year to do it because you guys got a big new attraction as well. Well, by the way, when in, um, can you, do you have an opening date or an opening month yet for Fire in the Hall? Or? So we're saying spring of 2024. Um, to my knowledge, yeah. everything is going smoothly. So we will. Okay. So towards the beginning. Okay. So towards the beginning of the season. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Hershey's usually great about that at your parks, but getting things open towards the beginning of the season. So awesome. I'd say historically, our rides have opened pretty much the day we open for the season. Historically, uh, the only yeah. exception was Mystic River Falls because we had a little pandemic happening. But um, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> that that's going to be a, a a different thing. And honestly, it probably yeah. wouldn't have opened it that early anyways because it's a water ride. So yeah, I was thinking that was the reason I thought you were going to say there, but yeah, the COVID also affected that, which is not. You, you got it was beyond your control of course naturally so okay well well thanks for talking about your amazing park park that i can't wait to get back to especially this time of year as we just alluded to um but um let's go ahead and wrap things up because i want to give you respect sure. for your time so just a few final questions these are getting go back to you personally well two of these are and then one will kind of be a, a, a catch-all wrapping things up but these first two questions a little more personal a little uh, one of these especially a little more serious um, poignancy, if you will, here. So, you know, our lives, you know, when our lives end, um, we are remembered in various ways and hopefully positive, hopefully meaningful, hopefully we have meaningful lives. So how, how would you say at the end of your life, how would you say your family, your friends, your colleagues, perhaps um, your, your customers, because, you know, again, you're in the public eye, how all of these various people that knew you that know you, Dalton, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I think what uh, you alluded to in the beginning that uh, I, I'm a fun person. I like to, I like to have <laughs> fun and I like to laugh. Um, but at the same time, um, I can get, you know, very serious, very fast. I like to think. Um, so uh, maybe a little bit of that, but uh, just anything that I do, I always try to just do it with the word love uh, leading it in some way or fashion. Um, so that everything that, that I've done was, was through love or love had something, something to do with it. So that's, Sort of the short answer there, but um, I I think that I I mean, know oh, for certain people are gonna be like, oh yeah, he was the roller coaster guy. Like that's already <laughs> I've already subscribed to that, and I'm fine with that. You know, and that's you know I have so many friends that aren't into this and that are not into this, I should say, and um, you know they they don't not saying they don't get it, but you know it, it is what it is. So I'm sure that's gonna be a, a little bit of it, but um, you know this is a place I talked about working for so long, and I think a lot of people um would recognize that from me. I think they do. So there's a little few different answers in there, but um, the folks I work with, the customers or wherever there are media partners, um, just that uh, I always uh, just wanted to do what was the best for us. That's awesome. That's great. And um, yeah, great, great. That's, that's, uh, I, I love it. And you just touched upon something that I, I got to ask you this again, we're going a little bit off script here. I'm going to guess that you have met Marcus Lashot, correct? Yeah. He's going to be here next week, actually. <laughs> awesome. I'm guessing that you guys are, are become friends over the years. Uh, I would say Marcus is a great acquaintance. Um, okay. I don't. Okay. I I wouldn't say that you know I'm texting Marcus or something like that. Right. Um, there are other folks um, similar that uh, that I'm I'm really good friends with. Um, but I just haven't been around Marcus enough. He's an awesome guy. Sure. Um, sure. I see him every time I go to Ace's No Coaster Con event up in Chicago. Oh yeah, based out of WGN. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Love the guy. He's he's so fun to be around. He's kind of an inspiration of just seeing his fitness journey and uh, yes. just uh, all of that. And that's really cool too. And he, the guy, gets up at what two thirty in the morning. I mean, that's commendable yeah. as well. Great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, crazy in a good way. 
Um, yeah. It just, you remind me of him. And then just thinking of, I he, he, he was, we interviewed him. I, I've, I've never met, I need to meet Marcus. This, this hasn't happened yet. Not same place, same time. We've been at IAPA together, but IAPA, you know how crazy it is. You know, you either run into people, you don't, things like that. But anyway, um, Marcus is just an amazing, positive person. I love his journey. As you mentioned, his fitness journey, just great, just a breath of fresh air. Uh, and he, one of his, again, there's another episode. Uh, this was from season two early on of the podcast. I recommend listen to that one as well. Cause it clearly, you know, Marcus has been a positive inspiration for you too. Um, great interview with Marcus that I did. And, um, and not, that's not on me. That was Marcus his magic right there. Just a great guy. And one of the things he talks about, which I think you'll appreciate is how special I think it was his, was it his craziest moment or is, is something meaningful for him? One of the most special moments for him has been, um, the opening of uh, Outlaw Run and being able to cover that and being there for that. Uh, I think it was actually a, spe a specific question I asked him, or, you know, some of his favorite moments from covering the coaster industry. I think that's what it was in the park industry. Um, and so he's very fond of your park. And, and, uh, but anyway, so I just figured you guys had crossed paths and, and, you know, just, you know, a little bit of a lot, lot of positivity between the both of you. Anyway, I just want to ask that. But, and the, but the Hershen family originally, Higo and Mary are from Chicago. So there's a cool uh, Chicago uh, tie in there as well. Oh, nice. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Excellent. So the other kind of a little more personal question to, to finish off the interview with for you here, uh, Dalton, is you, you now probably have a better understanding of the Coaster Child's mission about theme park therapy and our focus on that. With that framing for you, um, any final advice you'd like to give those that are listening? Um, I think that uh, we're all our own person and that um, even if you listen to this podcast or you have friends who um, want you to maybe ride something and it, all of this to say it's all your own personal journey is what I would say. So um, don't take it to heart too much and feel like there's all this pressure on you to to do something maybe you're still not comfortable with. Uh, I think this podcast is a way to help yourself <laughs> and uh, hopefully hearing what I've said has helped you in all the other two seasons and this third season have maybe helped you and coerced you a little bit more to maybe, to maybe try something. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about you and you have to be the one comfortable to do it. And um, I, I do think there are people who are, are going to ride and it's not for them and that's okay. And I think that's why a park like ours and, and other similar theme parks we've mentioned are great places to still hang out and enjoy. Awesome. No, thank you for that advice. That's very poignant advice and appreciate that. And, and um, you know, again, we're fairly humble here. We hope that we're having an impact on people and a positive impact, of course. Trying to I help think people. you are, <laughs> for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we one of the things that warms my heart is two things. Um, very poignant to say this now. One is, and this is part of how this interview happened, is the feedback that we've gotten either directly or indirectly from guests. And this includes, especially includes people like Pete, your colleague, at, you know, Pete Owens at, at Dollywood and other, you know, what we call our VIP guests, um, how much they valued um, and appreciate our interviews and meaning how they found meaning in it and just loved talking to us. Um, that means a lot. Um, and the other is when David made the announcement uh, as we were recording here, again, this, this will be released later, but as we're recording here, it was made about a month ago um, that David made the announcement uh, that the, we were sunsetting Coaster Challenge. Again, not because of any external forces other than 
what's going on in each of our lives. We have got too much going on, things change in our lives. A lot of positivity, a lot of positive things, especially for me, my, how my life has changed. We just don't have time anymore, unfortunately. But you never know how things may change when we may come back. In any case, when David made that announcement, the outpouring, and I want to thank our fans right now, we'll, we'll, and we'll get more into this in our final episode, but um, the outpouring from fans of Coaster Challenge, people coming out of the woodwork, you know, just, oh my gosh, you guys are ending, you know, why do you have to, you know, thank you for the podcast, thank you for the for Coaster Challenge in general, it just warms, warms our hearts, and, um, you know, so, you know, I just really appreciate you know, you recognizing um, the positivity that we have here and what we've done. So Absolutely. thank you, Dalton. So it's very apparent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. So to wrap things up and to send you on your way and in, in, uh, in a busy time of year, you know, again, the holidays, you know, you guys got that amazing event that you're, you're there for. So to let you go here, the last thing, um, if you could, and, th and this could be, as I talked about earlier before we start recording, this could be, you know, for, of course, for Silver City, it's going to be for Silver City, you know, website, social media, but also if you want to share anything personal, if you'd like, people are able to connect with you personally. Sometimes people do that in roles like yours and social media, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, whatever you'd like to share, website, social media, uh, YouTube um, and whatnot, uh, please share away, plug away, as we say. Yeah, I think to go all the way back to the beginning of this and talking about some of those social media quips and memes that we discussed, and you might be listening yep. and think, what are they talking about? Definitely <laughs> follow SDC Attractions. So we're going to be on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We've got the Silver Dollar City website. Um, check all those out. It's pretty much SDC Attractions everywhere you can find us. And what's really fun is there's different content on every platform. So I know a, a, a lot of businesses, theme parks I don't know much about, but a lot of businesses will uh, maybe have the same content on every single social platform. Right. There's not a reason to be on those different ones. Uh, our social media uh, guy here, he he makes it fun for everybody. Um, and nice. some, some of the TikTok things on there, it's like, oh my goodness, like how would people respond to this on Facebook? You know, he, knows his, <laughs> he knows his audience really well. Um, so definitely check that out. And yeah, just the nature of my job, the, the blurry lines between private and public life is, is, is fleeting sometimes. Um, I'm on social media. It's just Dalton Fisher. You can, you can find me as well. There's a C in my name. Um, that's why it's a little more tough to find me maybe, but, um, I'm not going to say I have any transformative content on there per se. I, I work in <laughs> PR. And so that's just my way to see what other people are doing truly and to reach out to people, but yeah, follow along. Who knows? I, I, play a lot of video awesome. games you'll see some stuff about that i'm sure but oh nice fun yeah. that's I, that's one of my hobbies that unfortunately is it, it's it, i have to put it at one of the lower ranking ones and just i i wish i had more time that is the one thing i wish i had more time for yep. some of these amazing yep. videos and i do make time here and there it just depends upon what's going on in my life but yeah video games are so fun there there and, and honestly i have not really talked about this before i'll just mention this briefly they are another form i've experienced this myself when i've gone through depression um, they're they're a great they're a great form of therapy. You can't get to the parks. You don't want to go out in the real world. You know when you're feeling down, they're so much better than just watching TV or movies oh, because sure. they're at least interactive and they're keeping yeah. your mind more occupied, keeping that anxiety at bay maybe for an hour or two. Hugely transformative. So and and they're great when you're having when you're feeling great too. You know they're great always. They're good for you when you're not, and they're and they're fun when, yeah. when you're. So, yeah. I don't know that I get made fun of, but you know, people in the <laughs> office are like, "Have you seen this movie?" And then half the time I'm like, "No," or some TV show, and it's like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, 
I don't want to just say play video games because I don't know. There's some I, I saw a TikTok about this. It's like, let's just normalize it being okay to play video games. Like it's just another form of and with any hobby, you know, it could it could take too much time out of your life, perhaps. But yeah, um, there's nothing yeah. wrong with I, moderation. I would say to you, Dalton, maybe this will encourage you, maybe this will help you a little bit. Not that it's a big deal. I would say, based on just I know a lot of people, you know, not necessarily friends with a lot of people, I have a decent amount of friends, but just I know a lot of people at least. I would say that video games have become a lot more accepted. And part of it is, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up in the Nintendo generation, the mm -hmm. 80s. And, uh, you know, and then some, some people grew up in the 90s, call it the, well, so the PlayStation generation, Dreamcast, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, but as a PS1 kid. You're, okay, yeah, so yep. 90s. So, yep. so the 80s and 90s, you know, those are, you know, people in the 30s and 40s now, they're, those are critical, you know, middle age. You're having kids. You're more influential. You're more mature. Those people still play video games. A lot of them are because yeah. the video games get better and better in the you know PlayStation, Xbox, etc. So a lot of people, parents, you know, adults are playing video games. They're teaching. Of course, kids love video games. So it's become much more mainstream. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I I I would say if you were to tell people you play video games and say oh that's cool what games do you like you know I think you'd be surprised it's not like it used to be but yeah esports e has helped a lot I don't help myself oh yeah when I say video games are like oh like Call of Duty or something I'm like no Final Fantasy and JRPGs oh and like oh nice. like, oh <laughs> yeah I mean you that's just say cool. of course you're gonna say nice but yeah but no Final Fantasy is amazing but to yeah. someone who doesn't know what that is like how do you even begin to <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely unique. Definitely unique. Well, that's cool. That's a fun hobby. That's awesome. He learns nice learning about, about people about, outside of what we may be talking about in the main topics here. But anyways, well, thank you again, Dalton. I don't want to take any more of your time. Uh, great discussion. Uh, thank you for telling us all about this amazing park that now you're just making me want to go back to more. And I mean that legitimately. That's because I'm talking. Yes, please do. Um, happy Christmas. So I will be back. Uh, but thanks again. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. <laughs>